episode 87 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawin, and joining me tonight is Mark Nedo. Mark, how the hell are you this evening? I'm good. This is the last episode before vacation, so... Yes, uh, that's right. Yeah, I've already applied some zinc on my nose. Good, good. And uh, I've got a Tilly hat, so... <laughs> of course you do. I, I should be good for, like, sunburns. Hell yeah. Uh, nothing on my ears yet. I'm going to let that just rot off. I don't need them. <laughs> Who the hell needs ears? That's yeah, right. I get rid of the ears. I can wear glasses. I get laser mm-hmm. eye surgery. Sure, Perfect. it's extreme. It's not yeah. the same road everybody else does, but, you know, whatever. That's what you do, though, and that's what counts. It's the ultimate body modification, man. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Oh, man. So, tonight it is raining here. I'm having thunderstorms, in fact, so uh, our listeners might get some uh, some scary uh, ambient noise of <laughs> thunderstorms in the background. And if that's the case, I do apologize. But, um, yeah. Well, since we're connected right now via mm-hmm. an audio medium, if yes. the hairs on my arms go up, I will let you know. Perfect. Thank you. That means either a strike is imminent yep. and you should run to your uh, – to your basement shelter, the end of the <laughs> stairs. If you have like a, a tornado shelter, go there. Yeah. Be careful for John Goodman, you know, whatever. Right. Absolutely. Always good advice from, from Mark. So, all right. So just as a quick reminder, Ash is just finishing up his vacation this week. He's going to be back on the show next week. But unfortunately, as Mark was alluding to, he will be on vacation next week. So yes. It's Mark and I this week, and it'll be Ash and I next week, and then the three of us are going to be back at it again in just a couple of weeks. So again, yeah. the Cinefessions podcast is trans is transformed into the PaxCast for the next four episodes. So we are kicking off the PaxCast today with a review of 1985's Weird Science, and then we're going to move on to our Alfred Hitchcock-themed round 23 of the Besting the Backlog Challenge. First, though, let's talk about social media and how you can follow us outside of just listening to the podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And finally, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love comments, questions, corrections, concerns, whatever. So please reach out to us and talk film to us on any of those platforms. And also make sure you're following our Cinefessions Instagram account where we're posting uh, a lot of our new media pickups and Mark posts a ton of reviews. So definitely give that a follow if you have not done so yet. And like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com backslash Cinefessions. And check out our long list of past reviews and all the previous 86 podcast episodes at Cinefessions.com. So we have an exciting, uh, exciting things coming on, on the horizon here. And uh, one of them I'm going to bring up now. I forgot to write this down, so it's off script a little bit here. So fucking Ooh. buckle up, folks. We're ad-libbing. But that's right. Um, so I reached out to uh, – you can follow him on Twitter. It's uh, His name's Dustin, but he's Duddy in Motion, D-U-D-D-Y in Motion on Twitter to help us with a new – logo for Cinefessions and specifically the podcast. And we've been going back and forth for a few weeks and and he finished it up. And so I am just fucking stoked to unleash this logo onto the world because you guys, it looks so badass. It is just perfect. It, it perfectly encapsulates what we're trying to uh, accomplish here at the show. And uh, Mark, I know you saw it and, and you gave it the thumbs up and uh, Ash as well. And so I'm really I did, you excited. Know, I did, and I didn't know it was Dead in Motion from Twitter who did it. So oh, yeah. Kudos, sir. Yeah, I was not yeah. aware because we corresponded briefly uh, right. earlier this week here, and I was not aware he's the one who drew it. 
I like it. I like it a lot. And he does excellent artwork. I have some of his hanging on my wall uh, and definitely recommend him. So give him a follow and uh, check out his artwork. And I can't wait to show everyone our our new branding, our new logo. Um, It'll be all over all of our social media and the website. And uh, and hopefully in the not so distant future, you'll be able to purchase it on a T-shirt or a coffee mug, maybe even a pin. I don't know. We'll see, but I, I'm very excited. It looks awesome, and I can't wait to wear it on a shirt in the coming in the coming uh, who knows weeks, months. I don't know, but in the future, it's really cool. I'm excited to unveil it. I, yes, it, it looks. I'm. Oh, I really dig it. I, it I really, it really spoke to me. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, yeah, and so it's just you know it, it, we want to keep keep growing and, and keep making this uh, more and more a part of our lives and and more and more a part of your lives. Um, every week we hope you guys are tuning in and enjoying what you're hearing, um, and we want to remind you guys uh, about that opportunity you have to win a twenty dollar Amazon gift card. So like we mentioned previously, uh, what we really need in order to help take us to the next level um, is to reach more ears, and the best way to do that is by getting our show ranked on iTunes. So uh, some of you may already know, it takes a specific minimum number of votes in order for the show to have a star rating associated with it on iTunes. And um, we're very close to that minimum on the US store, the Canadian store, and the UK store. But we just need a few more to help push us over the threshold. And you guys can help do that by leaving us a review. Of course, we'd love a five-star review, but any review at all is going to get you entered in to win a $20 Amazon gift card to whichever Amazon store you frequent. So for the entire month of April, anyone who leaves a Cinefessions podcast, a review on iTunes will have a chance to win a $20 Amazon gift card. Now, of course, this means if you've already left us a review, unfortunately, you won't be qualified to win this time around. But like I said last time, don't worry. We love doing giveaways. So I'm sure you're going to have another shot to win very soon. Um, but if you do listen to us every week and you like what we're doing here, please help us out. Leave this uh, review on iTunes. We'll read all the reviews we receive on the air over the next few weeks and then announce on episode 91 of the podcast who won the Amazon gift cards. Super easy way to be entered in to win an Amazon gift card and help us out here at the show both at the same time. So it's a win-win situation. So hopefully we'll get so many entrants that I'll want to double the winnings again. But We'll see where uh, where you guys take us. Yeah, I would so. love more reviews because I'm looking at the uh, Canada iTunes right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, it only takes a few reviews, I guess, to get ranked because right now in 75th place is the Dexter podcast. <laughs> and the last episode was back in uh, May of 2014. Oh my so God. with your help, we can crack the top 100. That's right. <laughs> We're weekly. Dexter. <laughs> Yeah, oh. and and again, I I saw a West Wing one, and I don't recall the last time that actually uh, had a new I, episode. Yeah, so you mentioned that. I would I would love to be a rung this ladder, even if right. it's the last, the top, or the last ladder or last rung. You know, last rung. Yeah, absolutely. You always put your foot on the first step, so right. I would love for us to be that first step. Hell yeah. So head on over to iTunes store, leave us that review, get entered to win a $20 Amazon gift card, and then listen to episode 91 to see if you've win, if you've won rather. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I do disagree with the $20 gift card just because, Mm -hmm. um, but yes, please do rank, rate, and uh, subscribe folks. Absolutely. And finally, we are proud to tell you that the, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Audible. So Audible is offering a free... <laughs> We're not doing that this week. Okay, never mind. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. So they're offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial, so all of our Cinefessions listeners get an opportunity to check out their services. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, or your Kindle devices. So head on over to audibletrial.com/cinefessions to get your free audiobook. 
That's audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. All right. So, mm-hmm. Mark, what has been going on in your world of media and wherever the past week? Well, um, movies kind of took a bit of a back seat this weekend because it's WrestleMania weekend. Right. And I mentioned... And birthday weekend. And birthday weekend, yeah. And uh, I did mention last week on the podcast that I bought the... Um, or I uh, subscribed to the High Spots Wrestling Network. Mm-hmm. Um, again, amazing. Um, I guess when WrestleMania happens in whatever town it's in, it's not just WWE that has events, but a lot of big time, or I guess a lot of the bigger indie promotions have shows there as well. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know, honestly, I didn't know that either. Um, but I guess there's events happening pretty much all weekend long. So with High Spots, um, they were on site to record all these different um, wrestling events that are happening in different hotels and ballrooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I only watched one so far. The WrestleCon Super Show 2017, it happened on the Friday night. Saturday morning, I was watching it. I was watching a live edit of it. So it's, I think it was like four hours long because they they didn't chop off the intermission. But Okay, (laughs) of course. Yeah, so I'm like, holy shit, a four-hour event, you know? But just to think, like, this event finished around midnight to almost one o'clock in the morning that time. And it was 8 o'clock Eastern time, and I was watching the event in high definition on, on my TV. It was so cool. Like, wow. it wasn't even a 12-hour turnaround. I'm watching, right. like, you know, live indie wrestling. Or I guess recent. It wasn't live. But, uh, yeah, so I watched that. Uh, I watched a few more shoots. And then, well, WrestleMania happened. Well, first of all, um, I watched the uh, the uh, House House of Fame, <laughs> the, the Hall of Fame show for the yes. WWE. Which was good. I fast-forwarded a bit because, again, that was like over four hours. Or it was almost four hours as well. So, I was mm-hmm. watching that and like doing chores at the same time. Okay. And then uh, Saturday night, there was the NXT event, which uh, I liked. Uh, did you watch that by chance? Did you get a chance to watch it? Nope. The NXT, I did not watch a nope. second of. Well, pretty much. Uh, my favorite match was the third match on the card, which was uh, DIY. the tag match, right? Yeah, versus Revival yeah, versus the Authors of Pain. Yeah, everyone's um, talking about that when I heard it's great. Yeah, it, it was it was the best on the card, so by far. And um, and then most well, Saturday was WrestleMania, which that itself with the pre-show was about six hours long. Fucking so, over six with the pre-show wasn't it? Fucking even like seven even hours? probably seven hours. Yeah, I guess it was seven hours, but like a six hours of wrestling, one hour of talking. Um, I'm not gonna go through the whole card. I thought the top half of the card was a lot better than the bottom half. Um, I thought after the um, after oh, what what match was that? The ladder match. Oh yes, the, the tag ladder match. Um, after that happened, it kind of got it was you know it was actually pretty good until the Cena a Miz match, but it was a mixed tag match. And what well, I don't like about WWE is that when it's a mixed tag, guys fight the guys, girls fight the girls. So if Miz tags in his wife, then right. Nikki Bella is forced to wrestle. Which, with indie wrestling, guys fight girls all the time. It's fucking awesome. WWE, Mm -hmm. I guess because of their stockholders, they don't do that. It kind of sucks. That was the match that was right after the ladder match was the Cena match because I turned it off. Okay, yeah. The match itself wasn't that bad. But, uh, you know, Goldberg and uh, Lesnar was was just okay. Um, The final match. I'm not (laughs) – I'm just glad it's done because, like, what the fuck were they going to do? Like – Yes. So I I was not watching – I heard that 
um, Cena, or I turned it on for like a couple seconds and then was just bored. So I turned it off and then I saw that the Hardys came back and I was like, what the fuck? And so I was like, fuck yeah, going back, turned it on, watched that match. And then Cena came and I was like, yep, done with that. Um, but then I was like, I'm bored. Like I'm doing nothing else. Let's go watch it. And so I ended up watching it and saw the, uh, end of, I don't remember whatever the hell was right before the Lesnar match. Or maybe I saw the beginning of that. I don't remember. But um, uh, end but of Lesnar was uh, Wyatt and Orton, I believe. Okay, I didn't see any of that match, oh, but okay. I did watch from after that to the end, I guess. So okay, you, I just let you know what I've seen, so you can continue. But I, I, I just don't know what the hell they were gonna do. Like it was just like spear, suplex, spear, suplex, jackhammer, suplex, F five. Like <laughs> that's it's like five moves over and over again. Yeah, it, it wasn't the greatest match, but you know they kind of booked themselves in the corner. I find. Yeah, absolutely um, right. And then, of course, before WrestleMania, there's the rumors saying that uh, oh, apparently Goldberg's gonna take a break after Mania, so obviously he's not gonna win. Right. There's no reason why the belt had to be put on either one of those guys. Um, so I don't know what's gonna happen next, but I did like, um, I did like. Um, the Miz, uh, Miz Cena didn't like Bray and Orton, thought it was boring. The women's SmackDown match sucked. I did not like that at all. And then I'm not an Undertaker fat guy. I've never liked The Undertaker. What? Who I, the fuck are you? I've I've never been an Undertaker oh guy. Oh my god, I can't even with you. I can't even. Yeah, I, I know. I, it's just, it, it, I just never liked the character. I never did. Oh, um, I can I respect what he's done, but I yeah. just, I just, I'm never excited for a Taker match. Um, so this being the main event, and it's, you know, he's hurt, and it's against Roman Reigns. Ugh, it sucked. You know, he should have retired two years ago after his Lesnar loss. I don't know right. why he, he continued for two more years. You know, wrestled four more matches. Um, you know, he's hurt. He's going for a hip surgery now, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just anticlimactic. After a hot first half, it, I thought the second half was really, really poor. I think due to time, too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, the crowd was dead. Like, for that women's match, like, yeah. it was just dead. But what, what, <laughs> do you, what do you expect? You know, people were probably watching wrestling all weekend long. Probably had tickets to all the events. And now they're sitting there for six, seven hours. That's a long time. That's a lot to ask out of uh, an audience. Right. I will say, so I didn't, I thought I didn't enjoy much of anything on it aside from the Hardy's return, which was just really, really cool. Yeah. Um, But from what I watched, obviously I didn't see the first half. So I, maybe I I probably missed the best part, but um, what I will say is I thought the stage, the setup was beautiful. Like they did a fucking spot on job with it, man, which is notable because ever since they've started having the pay-per-views on the, on the network, all the fucking pay-per-views, setups, the stages, they all look the same. And so this year's WrestleMania, I thought, looked really, really good. I mean, every WrestleMania is obviously special, something different. But this year, I thought, was was extra special. I thought it was really, really well done. And just I, thought, awesome. I thought the ramp was kind of excessive, an 80-yard ramp. Gigantic. Like, wow. I, I, so I put like Undertaker literally take 10 minutes to get here. And then I timed it and the asshole came up from the middle of the ramp. And I'm like, oh, but it was still over five minutes. And I was like, see, I was right. If you would have came from the, from the top, this yeah. would have been a 10 minute entrance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so I watched a whole bunch of, uh, I watched a whole bunch of wrestling. Um, I've watched uh, quite a few movies as well. Um, nothing that was like list related, but I just went to the movies a few times. Okay. Can I can I pause you for one sec just to go back sure. and ask you, how was the event that you watched that was from the indie wrestling that you watched the next morning? Oh, it was tremendous. 
Oh, it was. Okay. Oh, it what? was great. Um, Which company was it? It was a super show. So since there were oh, so okay. many different, uh, I guess, leagues um, at the, I guess, in the Mania area, uh, okay. this was, I guess, they had a wrestle convention as well, um, which would oh, host wow. all the different leagues and then live signing and stuff like that. So this was like a super show. Awesome. So um, now I don't remember all the matches because I'm not familiar with all the wrestlers yet. Right, right. But what I'm really happy for this network is that my local promotion in Ottawa that I go to, uh, C4 Wrestling, yeah, um, they bring in a lot of these guys. And okay. I'm going to these shows not really knowing who they are. Mm-hmm. And now with this service, um, I have access to a lot more of their content. Right. So when I saw some of these guys wrestle – um, on that sh- specific show, I'm like, holy shit, like, we're actually quite lucky with this indie league we've got here in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first match had a six man with, um, David Starr, the king of taunts, which I'm a big fan of. I've seen him wrestle twice live. I guess he's with a promotion called WXW. Not sure what that means or what, the, what the, the letters stand for. Yeah. But they've got matches or they've got full cards on, um, on high spots. So I like him a lot. Um, and then he was wrestling on uh, against three other guys. Uh, one of them was uh, Michael Elgin, who's a Canadian, and he wrestles a lot in New Japan. Okay. And just before that, I actually watched a Kevin Steen show episode with Michael Elgin. So I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Shane Strickland, uh, he's known as Killshot, I believe, in Lucha Underground. I'm only six episodes in on the Netflix seasons, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still kind of new. Um, I've seen him wrestle locally, and he wrestled Loki, which oh, okay. when he used yeah. a tape tree, like he was still he was an up and comer. So that's kind of cool. Right. Um, they had a uh, there's a promotion in um, Japan called DDT, and it's more of a comedic style of wrestling. Yeah, I know about that one. Yeah, so they've got that 24 um, 24 hour Iron Man Championship, where oh, pretty okay. much pretty much <laughs> anybody can win anytime, right? That's awesome. So it's like the old hardcore title when it was 24-7? In a way. In a way. But like a broom. Let's say a broom falls on you and you don't like lift your shoulders. Then the broom oh. becomes a champion. Like it's stupid, but it's hilarious, you know? Right. So uh, Joey Ryan is the current uh, title holder or the current uh, owner of that belt. Hmm. And he was in a 20-man battle royal for the belt. And during the match, if he gets pinned, then the other person becomes a champion. Um, and if the champion uh, gets tossed over the ropes, then the belt's back vacant again. So the winner okay. of the battle royal is is the new champion of the DDT uh, of the DDT thing. And it was all crazy, crazy people in the ring. Like when I say crazy, I mean like it's kind of like you know the battle royal or the Royal Rumble when you've got like the legends that come in, right? So they had. Uh, they had my, uh, Matt Stryker came down, um, uh, uh, Swoggle, which used to be Hornswoggle. Hornswoggle. He uh. came down. Uh, Marty Gennetti, who was apparently liquor to the gills, what? was there. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. So, it, it finished off where Drury Ryan won. So, he was still the belt. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he was still the champ. But then, when he, after he won, Enter Sandman starts. What? Yeah. And then Sandman comes down. Oh, my God. Drinks a few beers in the crowd. Then uh, Kane's him once, and then he's a champion, I guess. <laughs> Over the course of the weekend, there's a few more matches. So, I think Drew Ryan's a champ again. Wow. Um, yeah, so it was crazy stuff like that. Oh, and before the intermission, there was a 10-man uh, tag match. 
where it was Team Will Osprey versus Team Ricochet. Okay. And if you don't know those guys, I've seen Ricochet a bit, and Ricochet is King uh, or uh, King Puma, I think in um, in uh, Lucha Underground. Okay. So it, he picked four other guys, and Will Osprey picked four other guys, and had a ten man match. Um, so you'll know Will Osprey and Ricochet because I guess they had a really sweet. Um, gymnastic style match uh, overseas. I think it was for New Japan that mm-hmm. got a whole bunch of rave reviews because it, it was just so cool, right? A lot okay. of Matrix moves and like, just high-flying stuff in crazy spots. Mm-hmm. So they're now kind of intertwined uh, in the indie league right now because they have this like rivalry. I don't know why I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me. Um, <laughs> but So now they've got this rivalry. But like a friendly rivalry, it's out of respect. So they had, uh, so they had um, uh, a 10-man tournament and it was fucking awesome. It was silly as well. Like at one point, you know, uh, everybody stops and they do a dance off in the ring. <laughs> so it's serious, but it's not serious. You know, like Sammy Callahan was in it. Um, Drew Galloway was in it or Drew McIntyre, whatever he's called, depending mm-hmm. on what league he's in. Um, and the, the one, you know how the uh, the Young Bucks, they have a super kick party? Right. Which all super kicks, it's, it's, you know, crazy. So they had an uh, an ace crusher party, which is known oh, as an nice. RKO and a diamond cutter. So yeah. everybody did ace crushers off everybody. Like it was, it's <laughs> it's a fun match, you know. It was a really fun match, and there was one really scary spot where this uh, wrestler Ar Fox, he's uh, everybody's like outside the ring because they've done moves outside the ring, and he's on a top rope and does this flippy thing, where the guys are supposed to to catch him. He doesn't really get catch. He kind of bounces off the, the the group of wrestlers and kind of lands like top of the back, almost the neck, almost right under the uh, the guardrail. So oh, wow. it was a pretty scary looking uh, bump. Um, but I heard he's okay, so awesome. But uh, yeah, like it, it was a crazy show. And then uh, one of the uh, semi main. Oh, so the semi main event for that show was um, Brian Cage, which I'm familiar with, but he's a big roided up guy um mm-hmm. against uh johnny mundo or okay. john morrison from wb yeah and the main event was uh phoenix from lucha and pentagon dark versus the hardy boys so that okay. was pretty cool as well i think the hardy's was like four or five times that weekend because uh yeah it's nuts i think they did a ladder match for a event on saturday night and then did yeah, the ladder match again on sunday Oh, so, so which one? Because they, I know they lost the like Ring of Honor belt. That was Ring of Honor, right? They lost their tag belts the night before WrestleMania. Yeah, so it would have been at that. It would okay. have been there because um, they, they wrestled like three, or four times. I know Michael Elgin wrestled ten matches in four days. Hmm. Um, I don't know how many bumps he took, you know, because you don't you don't want to blow your water off the bat. Because if you right. have, you know you don't want to kill yourself and you have nine more matches to go, that's kind of crazy. But um, yeah, so. Um, yeah, so the Hardys wrestled on that show. I guess they wrestled a few more shows, but they did, I think, is that a Ring of Honor? They had a ladder match on Saturday, and then they did the ladder match on Sunday at uh, Mania. And apparently, they're pretty bruised up after their uh, Ring of Honor match. Hmm. But uh, hey, they came up with the belts on Sunday, so yay right. for them. Yeah. You know? Um, but uh, yeah, so like this high spots thing, it, again, it's 10 bucks a month, $9.99, same price as the network. And, uh, I'm really digging it. Like right now, I'm watching a documentary on um, uh, Dynamite Kid mm-hmm. that uh, they produced via Kickstarter. So I'm in the middle of that right now. It's just okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I'm really into. So I'm excited to, to dive into more of that. 
Awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I just wanted to um, touch on that because I want to mark off our uh, wrestling talk just in case those that want to skip it, we, they have an easy way to skip it. Oh, sure. <laughs> but all right, continue on. You said you went to the theater. Yeah. Um, I got a few movie dates that uh, I went to. Um, so on – okay, today's Wednesday. So on Monday night, I went to the Mayfair for their final screening of a movie called The Lure from 2015. Called what? The Lure, L-U-R-E. Oh, okay. A lure, I guess. Lure, lure. The lure. I guess lure. It's a lure, yeah. right? Fishing lure. There you go. Yep, exactly. Yeah. The lure. So they're Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> How the fuck do you spell that? I don't know. Um, so this is a Polish movie. And all I knew about it uh, was the poster, which looked really badass, and that it had mermaids involved. Oh. Um, MDB has it as a comedy drama horror. Um. <laughs> This motherfucker is a musical. It is really? the first, yeah, it's the first Polish musical. Um, that said, and I'm not a big musical guy. You know, okay. I like my, my Rocky Horror. I like my Grease. Um, I'm I'm not a big and, and Little Shop of Horrors, obviously. Um, but this one, it's a Polish musical. It was amazing. It was so good. The songs now. So the movie is about these two mermaids that they're heading to America, but decide to stop off in Poland to have a little landlocked adventure. So they meet up with this band. I believe it's never really mentioned, but I think it's a father, uh, mother and son trio. And they, they're like a club band. So they play in like a kind of a strip club slash burlesque club. I guess it's a club of all, of all type of performances. Okay. And uh, they, uh, these two mermaids sing to the two guys. Obviously, they start walking to the water, you know. And uh, next thing you know, they're in the band with them. And they are performing at the nightclub. And it's – I'm not sure when exactly this takes place. It's got a bit of a 70s, 80s feel just because there's a lot of disco music. There's uh, a lot of uh, – 80s synth styled pop and there's a bit of a a bit of dark wave um and a bit of rock it reminded me a lot of abba if you like abba you'll love the music in this because it's very melodic okay. um, the music sounds good but the voices on these two girls and i'm not sure if the two actresses uh, by the names of marta mazurek and michalina olzanska which i'm sure i've butchered um but they, uh, if they sang, holy shit, it was good. I almost bought the soundtrack on iTunes, but it didn't sound just like the movie. I think it's a band that probably composed all the music, did an album based off the music from the film, but it's not actually the girls from the movie. I have to do a little bit more research on that because I, I did it quickly while, <laughs> while I was on the bathroom. Um, <laughs> because whatever, I need to be entertained. Um, but yeah, this film was really good. It's very fantastical. Um, the, again, music sounds good. Um, there's, I don't call it a horror movie. I think it's more of a fantasy film. But you know, the mermaids have jagged teeth and there are a few scenes of bloodshed, but I still wouldn't say that they're scary. Um, now when I went to the theaters, I went to Melissa and it had a 14A rating. Okay. There is a shit ton of nudity in this film. Because these are mermaids. So unlike the little mermaid, they don't have little shells to cover their boobs, right? 
Um, <laughs> and there's also some full frontal. Um, oh. Yeah, later on in the film, like, wow, uh, I'm seeing full frontal. And it's also a little, a little unnerving at first because when they when they come out of the um, – when they get introduced with their human legs, mm-hmm. um, they're fully naked. Okay. But – and then, of course, you're going to look, right? It's like, wow, can you see their vaginas? And you can't because mermaids apparently don't have a vagina – or uh, or a, a bum crack. It's it's smoothed out. Bum Makes crack. me think of Angel. You know the movie, the TV show Angel, where he's like, he's got no genitalia. Um, oh, man. At least I, I no no he has genitalia. I what the fuck am I talking about? Seen it. I have no idea. A eunuch maybe? Oh, I'm thinking of um, I'm thinking of um, cl- uh, not clerks, but um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Kevin Smith movie with the the Bibli one. Um, with the what one? You know the uh, the Bible one. Um, Kevin Red Smith. State? No, 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 no. Um, Bible. Yeah, the one with the, with the fallen angels with Matt Damon oh, and oh, Dogma. Dogma. That's it. That's <laughs> okay. it. They don't have genitalia, so this was the okay. same thing. So I'm like, holy shit! I'm going to see like full badge, right? And right? No, it's it's smoothed out. Later on, you do, but oh. not early in the film. Um, so that being said, I did not think this was like a 14A film. I thought it should have been an R film just because of the nudity and there's a bit of violence and whatever, you know. I guess I'm so just being Craig 14A man. would be like the equivalent of PG-13 here then, right? Yeah, and there's no way in fuck in the U.S. that they're going to make this PG-13, you know. Yeah, exactly. There's no way. Um, and, and that said, like, these girls are beautiful. Like, yeah. I, I looked to see how old they were. And, like, uh, one is uh, <laughs> one's born in 1990. So, hello, young one. And I think the other one's born in 90. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And one's born in 92, which is only, I guess, uh, 25. Yeah. I just thought anything 90 and up makes me feel too old because <laughs> I'm born in <laughs> 79. So, That's you know. I'm not sure what the plans are for a Blu-ray release in North America for this film, mm-hmm. but it was fantastic. I want to get this on, on Blu-ray, uh, even just to hear the songs again. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's really good. It's really well done. Um, I've never seen La La Land, but I would think it'd probably be kind of La La Land, but with mermaids in Poland. I don't know. Um, but the <laughs> original Polish name is uh, Korki Densingu. Okay. Uh, so you can find it that way, or you can just type in the lure. Lure? <laughs> yep. The lure. Uh, from 2015, it is fantastic. I highly recommend that one. Awesome. So, Sounds cool. It, it was very cool. Very, very cool. Um, and then yesterday, I was going to do a triple feature at the cinema, but mm-hmm. uh, I bailed on the last film because yeah. uh, I was honestly kind of getting tired of going to the movies. Um, <laughs> so I saw two films. I started off my day with Power Rangers. Okay. 2017. Um, I liked it. I thought it took a little long for it to actually get going. There's a lot of backstory and like, you know, the journey these five misfits go through to become Power Rangers. Um, So you really get the Power Ranger armor and stuff like in the last third of the film, almost the last quarter of the film. Um, My favorite part of the movie, though, had, well, there's two things. Uh, One, the uh, Blue Ranger played by... uh, R.J. Seiler. Um, he plays Billy the Blue Ranger. And he is on the spectrum of autism. So, I guess he's high on the spectrum. So, okay. he's super smart but has no people skills type of thing. Mm. I thought that was really cool to have that included as a Power Ranger. And it, right. he by far was the my favorite Power Ranger of all five. Because he was funny. 
mm-hmm. you know, socially awkward, but funny, um, but super smart, you know. Um, but Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa was fantastic. Oh, good. And, you know, like, she's done a lot of big hits, you know, and she, she kind of vamped it up in um, in the um, uh, Hunger Game movies mm-hmm. as uh, Effie, you know, because she's all, she's all glammed up and stuff. Right. I think she hammed up really well as Rita Repulsa. I think she had fun in this role because she devours the screen. And I, I'd rather watch a Rita Repulsa film than the Power Rangers movie. So let's say they flip the script and you're just following Rita Repulsa. I probably would have enjoyed it more. <laughs> she was that good. She was she was really fun. And um, it's funny, Alpha 5, the robot, I thought he was Patton Oswalt the whole time. It sounded like Patton Oswalt, but it was Bill Hader. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, and you know, I did get goosebumps though when they're finally in their Zords or Zoids. I think they're called Zords. And uh, they're running towards the final battle. But like for the first time, it's like first time they're all equipped in their armor and they're now in their in their robots. And the original like Gogo Power Rangers music plays a bit in the background. Yeah. I'm like, this is kind of cool. It is. It is kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, I dug it. I, I had fun with this film. Um, but Elizabeth Banks really kept it going for me. But it's, it's not a bad performance. It's it's fun. So I would uh, I would recommend that as well. I think I gave it three and a half. So I'd probably give this a solid uh, three out of four stars. Awesome. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see it, but it's just at this point, I just I guarantee I won't see it until it's Blu-ray. But. Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking because the last one I was going to watch was uh, Kong, the new Kong film. And I want to see that one too, so badly. Yeah, but, I don't yeah. think I'll have the chance to see it before, like for another two, three weeks. Right. So it'll probably be gone by then. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be on Blu-ray shortly. Like uh, they announced Get Out is coming out on Blu-ray next month. Next month? Yeah. It's, oh, I think the digital is the 6th of May. Whoa. And the disc, I believe, is the 23rd. That's very quick. Wow. If I remember, I thought so, too. I'm like, fuck, I just saw this a few weeks ago in the theaters. Right. So, yeah. it's it's already coming out on Blu-ray, uh, which is awesome because why the long delay, right? Right. Um, so, I'm happy with that. Um, anyways, last movie that I uh, that I watched yesterday was uh, <sighs> Trainspotting 2. Mm-hmm. I am not calling this T2. T2. Some people call it T2 <laughs> Trainspotting. No, no, no. Right. It's Trainspotting 2. There's only one T2, and that's Terminator 2, <laughs> Judgment Day from 1991. Um, so, have you seen Transpotting, the original? Uh, nope. I've seen, like, maybe the first 20 or 30 minutes of it, and then, uh, I don't know. This was years and years ago, and I never ended up finishing it. Okay. Well, uh, if you want to go see T2, oh, shit. I just said it. I just <laughs> fucking edit that fucking fuck. I'm not going to speak up here. Hold on. Hold on. Oh. oh mm. <laughs> so good. Um. So, you have to see the original Transpotting to see Transpotting 2. Yeah. You have to. Because it it really, uh, the whole point of Transpotting 2 is, you know, you have to love your life and you have to own up to your mistakes and you're trying to be nostalgic as well. And a lot of Transpotting 2 kind of redoes a few scenes from the original Transpotting because you're trying to relieve... one big aspect of the film as well is reliving your youth. Um, and, you know, years later, people are fuck-ups and they look back at the glory days, but were they really that glory, you know? Mm-hmm. So you got to stop looking behind you and look ahead. That's pretty much the gist of the film. Um, everybody's back in this movie. Um, 
It's fucking like I like train spotting, so I really like train spotting too. Okay. Um, now it's one of those films where it doesn't need a sequel. Mm-hmm. Like, th- there's no need to remake, uh, not remake, but just to, there's no need for for this movie to to exist. But Danny Boyle, director of the original, um, made it work. Like, I was really skeptical about this film, and uh, fuck, it was awesome. It's like going back to high school in a way because, like, I saw this. I was in grade eleven. Oh, so okay. 20 years later, you know, they've all aged. They've all gone through their hardships. It made me feel old, you know, um, because they're a little older than me, um, the characters in the film. Mm. But, uh, you know, it feels like I I wouldn't say I grew up with these characters, but I've seen this movie so many times. I remember it fondly from that period of my life. Yeah. So to watch it again now, whatever themes were present in the film, I felt them as well. Um, so it's totally worth checking out. If you're a fan of the original, if you hated the original, you will probably hate this one as well. Hmm. Um, but uh, I would give this probably a good three and a half out of four stars. I, I liked it a lot. Awesome. Good. Yeah. So apart from that, that's all the movies. Uh, I've uh, I've got a few uh, uh, Instagram reviews coming down the pipeline in the next few days. But uh, apart from that and what we're going to talk about tonight, that's pretty much all I've seen. Okay. Yeah. Very How about good. you? Well, uh, it's really been all about video games for me this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bug it just kind of hit again, and so uh, I ended up uh, kind of tossing out that spending freeze. And uh, I'll pause here <laughs> for a second to listen to everyone who's surprised. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, I was uh, I've been going list crazy. So okay. you know that I bought that uh, Nintendo sixty four anthology a couple months back, and I think yes. you did too, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm going through one of the things I'm doing is going through that and all the all the games in there and okay. just making a list of everything that sounds interesting to me and then I eventually want to try to go in and, and play them all and just see what I like. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I also found um, this this website that's called the Video Game Critic uh, and he's just an online reviewer and he just has thousands of reviews for just all different generations of video games and he okay. has like over ninety percent of the Dreamcast library on there Ooh. and so. Um, at work in an effort to kill time and not slip my, or not myself, um, out of boredom, I've been going through, uh, A through Z through those reviews and just making a list of everything that looks interesting there in hopes of playing through all those. Um, but I haven't stopped there because I (laughs) am absolutely fucking insane and obsessed with list making. So I'm also listing out all the available PlayStation one classics on the PSN on PlayStation network. And I want to try to play through those eventually as well and see if anything or which ones are actually worthy of the quote unquote classic moniker that's been given to them. Okay. Um, like, will I ever finish these lists? Of course not. But it's just a fun way for me to kill some time and I enjoy doing it. So whatever. But yeah, so those are the the three major lists I'm going through. Um, cool. Yeah. So in terms of actually playing games, uh, I did grab Soul Calibur 4 for the Xbox 360 the other day. Okay. Like 10 bucks for it used at GameStop. Um, and I beat through one of the story modes with, I think the character's name with, uh, was Ivy. And that was a lot of fun. I've never really played Soul Calibur at all. Is she the one with the sword? And she's like, a, she, is she French? No. And she's got, no? Okay. No. She has like a, <laughs> it almost looks like a, uh, that, I forget what they're called. Like that instrument where you, it has like the bells on it and you like hit it against your hand. Uh, I don't know what it, it's uh, like a circle. Uh, yeah, it looks like she's holding one of those. I don't know what it actually is, but that's what it looks like. Okay. Uh, but eventually she gets like this whip as you're going through the story mode. It's like a whip or a chain or something. It's pretty cool. But yeah, so I played through her and then I, I moved to arcade mode 
with okay. her, with Ivy again, and I just got my ass kicked by. It was in the second round by this other female character. I want to say her name was like Christina or or something. I don't something with like C H R or something. Um, but she just kept fucking beating me, and, and I I got to the point where I, I felt like I wanted to throw my fucking controller across the room. So I decided it was a good time to stop. <laughs> okay. Um, but. I will go through and play more of the story modes because it was actually fun when I was doing the story mode aspect of it. Um, but I've been, I don't know what it is. But I've just been in this, I want to play a fighting game late mood the past few like days here. Really? So Yeah. Which is weird because I never play fighting games, but so I ended up grabbing like Super Street Fighter 4 also for 360. Uh, you um, must have had that for cheapy. Yes. Yeah. I got, for, I got that one from Disc Replay. I paid like eight bucks for it. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If you want everyone, if you ever think you're good at a fighting game, just go on Twitch and look for that specific game and look at the tournaments. Oh yeah. Oh, it it it. Like I like fighting games. I love Street Fighter. I like the 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 myth. I like the stories of Street Fighter. Yeah. I cannot compete in any Street Fighter tournaments. Like, <laughs> I, I can barely do combos. You know. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Some of these people here are crazy good. For the shit, for shits and giggles, I was like, "Let's go online and see what's going on." So I played one match online and got <laughs> beat by this some but something something juggalo, and his character was like a juggalette. Oh no! Oh, and, no. Uh, yeah, and just fucking and I like I had the first hit and then fucking nothing, <laughs> nothing after that. So well, you do get three thousand points for the first hit, I believe. So <laughs> really, yeah, you're right because it did say something about first hit afterwards. But yay, yeah, so. Um, I, I did buy some old PS2 games too, but I don't remember what the hell, nothing important or nothing big and they were super cheap and it was like buy some, get some free type of thing. But, okay. um, what else did I pick? I picked up Gran Turismo 5 on PS3 just cause I've been, I was wanting to try that one and I never, I haven't played Gran Turismo since like the original one on the original PlayStation. So I was like, well, let's try it. It was like $4, I think. So <laughs> it was very cheap. Everything I bought the past couple of days here. I never got into the Gran Turismo games because I don't like sim racing. I like arcade racing. Yeah, normally that's me too, but I don't like fighting games either, and I just had the urge to play them. So <laughs> I don't know why, but I had the urge to play a sim racer. So, ah, whatever. Yeah. Fuck me. But. There's one game I used to play on the PS3, which actually is a game I finished. It's called Split Second. Have you ever heard of that one? Yes. Yeah, I actually have it. It was a games on demand or no, uh, PS Plus game. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Oh, damn, that's a fun game. That's yeah, a fun I, game. I need to re-download it because I, I think I don't have it on my system right now, but I have heard that's great, and I've seen some gameplay videos of it, and it looks awesome, so I definitely want to try that one. Yeah. So I also played through a bit more of Horizon Zero Dawn, but honestly, okay. it was only for a couple minutes. I just like wasn't feeling it that day I was playing it. It's a fun game. I just need to be in the right mood to play it, and mm -hmm. I've been in more of like an OCD mood lately, which is not good for a game like that, so... That one didn't last very long that day, but um, but my my biggest media thrill over the past week has to go to Nintendo. So um, I bought the Wii the night it came out. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, st I just started working at GameStop like literally a day or two before that, and was getting discounts on stuff for working there. Um, so I was I was huge on the Wii Virtual Console. Okay. Because I worked there, I was buying all sorts of Nintendo point cards, um, either via trades or just outright purchasing them. So yeah. anyway, I accumulated like this giant, uh, well, I guess everything's, it was pretty big compared to, you know, what you might think, um, virtual library, uh, virtual console library over the years of me having the system. Okay. And I was actually ready to sell my Wii like four years before I did because, um, 
I just didn't need the Wii, but I wanted to, I held on to it because I wanted to uh, keep the virtual console games I owned. Mm-hmm. Well, I eventually caved and I got rid of the Wii. Um, when my sister was getting rid of her Wii, man, this was probably six months ago now. Eight, yeah, probably about six months ago. And I ended up with it. And so I was when I first got it, I looked up if there was any way to transfer the virtual console games from one to another. But everything I read just made it seem like it was impossible to do. And so I gave up hope. Well, I was um, talking with Chris over the weekend, coming, commenting on the Wii's VC again, um, because I'm actually going to be getting a Wii U that my assistant manager's boyfriend is selling me. But I'll come okay. back to that in just a second. Um, but we were so we were talking and he said I should just try calling them and see what they say. Um, and he recommended, I say that my last one got stolen because I, he had a friend that did that and it was able to work out, um, it was that way. Cause you could say it's stolen and you don't have the, the serial number. And yeah. so I tried that and basically they just told me, well, unfortunately you need the serial number. And I was like, okay. Um, and then it dawned on me that my mother likes to keep virtually everything when it comes to like boxes for our electronics or just for anything in general mm-hmm. um, at her house. And so I called, I called home. Um, my sister happened to be visiting. And so she was, uh, she, I, she went down to the basement for me and looked and found it with no problem at all. The, my old Wii box from launch day and it had the serial number on it. So I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So I was super happy. I called them back, gave them both serial numbers, and they said they'd email me when I could access the games again. And I was expecting like a week wait, maybe even more. But I actually got the email like an hour or two after I spoke with them. And then I spent like the next two or three hours downloading all nearly 50 old virtual console games I once owned. Um, And that part was fucking tedious because you have to go into each game individually and select it to download, go through like the warnings and the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and that was super tedious, but I mean, that's a small complaint on an otherwise very successful day. Um, and the best part was that I still had 2,200 Wii points on there that I completely forgot about and they gave those back to me. So that's like $22 worth of games that I can get now too. Um, so that pretty much made my damn weekend. I was really happy about that. No kidding. That's very cool. It was awesome. Uh, but so back to the Wii U. So yes. uh, my assistant manager mentioned that her boyfriend was looking to sell his Wii U because he got the switch and he just didn't need it anymore. Um, and so he's selling it to me for 150 bucks, which is what GameStop was going to give him in credit. Okay. Um, so I'm getting the the black 32 gigabyte Wii U system, mm-hmm. the gamepad, a Wii U Pro controller. Um, he has a digital copy of Mario Kart 8 on the system. And so he's yeah. like not going to delete the memory or whatever so I can have access to that. Um, he has Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. And he had a Mario game, which I actually just got a uh, text from her while we were podcasting. It's the Super Mario 3D Land or World or whichever sure. one. Yeah. Um, and so all that for 150 bucks, which I think is just a really good deal. Sure. Um, I, I'm seeing even if I decide I don't want it, I, I I'm certain I could probably sell it a year from now and make at least 100 bucks for all that shit. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I, you know, I I talk with Bridget. And she said, go for it. And so now I'm just waiting on her to bring it to work with her. She's not really wanting to separate with it at this point because she's obsessed with Mario Kart 8. And uh, as you know, that one doesn't come out until the end of this month. So she's kind of stalling giving it to me, but I should have it by this weekend. So question, when when you talk to Bridget, did you ask her permission to say, hey, can I get this? Or did you go up and told her, hey, I'm getting this? No, (laughs) no, I definitely asked. Oh, that's so cute. I know. What can I say? (laughs) (laughs) She was totally cool with it. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for Mario Kart 8 to come out for the Switch. 
Yeah, she is too. She keeps talking about it. <laughs> but you know, I still have really played the Switch because I kind of want to finish off my PS4 or at least finish a few PS4 games. Yeah. So I did put a bit of uh, time into Mad Max uh, during my days off. Oh, okay. Uh, but I still have at least probably a good third the of never the ending. Go. It never ends and it's repetitive and yeah. uh, my life is so hard, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> you got the Wii U, obviously. Uh, I did and I got rid of it pretty much soon after. Oh, you did? Okay. There was Nothing was coming out for it. Yeah. yeah that's that's, that's a problem. There's, there's only a handful of things I actually want for it. But yeah. um, I, I'm sure that I'm, I'm going to get my money's worth, so I'm not worried about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I want to get – those two games – three games there are actually ones I would want. I wanted for the system anyway. Um, yeah. I'd really like to get Super Mario Maker. I I just think it would be fun to play. Totally. Um, I want to get um, the two Zelda uh, fuck the the HD upgrades. So like okay. Twilight Princess and Wind Waker, I want to get those. And obviously, I want to get the new Legend of Zelda. Um, now, are you, you going to the new one for the Switch or for the uh, Wii U? Wii U, because I don't have the Switch. Oh, for some reason, I thought you did. Okay, no, no. And so I'll get that for the Wii U. Which everything I've I've read says that it runs better on the Wii U anyway. So that works for me. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then I don't really know what else. I've been watching a bunch of videos like YouTube, man. I get on fucking YouTube and I just stay there for hours and I just want to spend money that I don't have and all that. And yeah. so I was watching like, you know, hidden gems videos for the Wii U and things like that. And there's a couple uh, that I am thinking about trying, but I'm sure – oh, Lego City Undercover is another one I want to get because I heard that's really fun. It's like a GTA clone. So that sounds mm-hmm. cool. Um, but I'm probably gonna, just going to hit up my, my family video and do some renting. Instead of some, a lot of purchasing on that one, except for yeah. the games I know I want. So I'm excited and I, I even more excited that I can access more of the virtual console games. Some of them that aren't on the Wii, like Earthbound, for example. Um, and so I'll be okay spending a lot of money there. But yeah, the virtual console for the Switch hasn't really happened yet. Right. Um, I know it, like Neo Geo is releasing some games on it on a weekly basis. And I think they're pretty expensive too. So mm-hmm. I'm holding off on that, especially since we're getting the um, that uh, Indiegogo uh, Sigma engine that should be out this month, right? Yeah, that's actually something I was I was going to mention to you last week is if we remembered when it was coming, um, but I actually pulled it up this week so we could talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so I was just looking at it and I think ours should be coming in May. Oh, May. Okay. I thought it was April for some reason. Yeah, because I... Just fucking looked and now I don't see it. But I think it – let's see. Let me check my uh, order details here. Yeah, estimated delivery date for mine is May 2017. I know you got yours a day earlier and it literally could be a difference because I think they may have sold out of the one you got and then I got the one after. And so oh, you might be April, but – It's possible. Well, let me check mine here as we vamp this up. But uh, um, oh, but yeah. Of, yeah, okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm really excited for that. And I was curious when it's coming because all these like old games that I'm looking at and that I want to play and I can play virtually all of them except the Dreamcast games you can't play on here. But N64, PlayStation, Sega CD, Genesis, blah, 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 on and on. Oh, and on. There's, there's no uh, there's no Dreamcast on the Retro, uh, Retro Engine Sigma? I no, unfortunately there's not, which is weird because it has PlayStation and the 32X. But I mean, obviously Dreamcast is a step up, but yeah. I'm surprised. But that yeah. looks like the cutoff is the PS1 era. Yeah, mine says May as well, May 2017. Okay. You know, I'm kind of excited for the um, for the uh, Game Boy Advance games. 
Yeah, some pretty I sweet game games Boy, on that on that machine. So it's funny you mentioned that because I just tweeted the other day because I was looking through oh the virtual console list for the Game Boy Advance games on the Wii U, and I just I. That was one of my favorite systems, undoubtedly the best handheld system I've ever played. Mm-hmm. And I used to collect a lot for that system because it was at a time where I had a lot of disposable income. I worked at GameStop, so I was getting discounts. And it was right when that system was, um, it had, I think like the DS had just started coming out. And so a lot of those games you could find in the bargain bin. And I had so many games. Like I I, I was an owner of Ninja 5.0, which is one of the most rare games on the system. Okay. Um, I paid like five bucks for it when I worked at GameStop for my discount and everything. And I ended up selling that thing for like 75 bucks, which actually it goes for like 200 now. But really? Yeah. I mean, it was it's such a great game too. But there, there are so many awesome games for that system. Uh, like the, the Mario, uh, Mario Golf, Mario Tennis. I love those. The Metroid games, the Castlevania games. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so many like hidden gems. Like they have like an XCOM clone on there. Um, a, a punch out clone. Uh, there's just so many really good games. NHL 2002 was actually, it basically was like NHL 94, but in your hand. I mean, there's so many awesome games for that system. So yeah, that's definitely one that'll be fun to play there. Yeah. And but, speaking quickly on indie Google stuff. Yeah. I actually, I backed, uh, I guess a few weeks ago, oh, a okay. movie on Indiegogo, which is right up my alley. Yeah, it's called Space Babes from Outer Space. Oh yeah, okay. Did I did it, did we talk about this already? I don't think we I did. I think before we recorded, you talked you mentioned that title, but I didn't realize that's why you or what it was from. Okay, so no, well, not on the show we haven't. As of today's date, which is the fifth uh, of April, uh, there's six days left in the campaign, so there'll still be a few days left once this episode drops. Um, they've already funded, so it is happening. Oh, good. Um, but it's from the uh, creators of Plank Face and Harvest Lake, which I have not seen. But I did see a time, I believe it's Time to Kill or Time to Die, which I didn't like so much. But this looks really cool. It's a sex space comedy. Three hot alien girls land on Earth. And they need to have sex with men to get their ship back up and running, obviously. So I picked it up. I got the Blu-ray. I think it cost me like 25 bucks US plus next, and I think an extra 10 for shipping, okay. which is fine because it's a it's a, it's an Indiegogo. But it's got uh, – it, it looks like fun, so I picked it up. But uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and did you hear that uh, um, Radley uh, – Yeah, Radley, Radley Metzger. Metzger died. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks because I met him at Cinema Wasteland a few years ago. I remember you talking about that before. He, yeah, he's the one who uh, signed my copy of Score, which I still haven't watched yet. Uh, yes, just Score. Due to the, That's yeah. classic. That's a good one. <laughs> oh, have you watched it? Yes, yeah. Oh, I have not. <laughs> yeah, I do. Like I think that once that I heard was, there was pegging in the video, uh, I'd said not to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's Bridget actually watched that one and didn't oh, mind yeah? it. So I mean, I was very surprised. So it definitely has uh, a appeal to more than just us horny men. So yeah, so it's it's a shame that uh, that he passed, but uh, definitely is. Yeah, that was actually the first. I think I'm sure I've talked about this before. That was like the first um, like film of that type, kind of like a adult film from that era that I'd ever watched and I had to do it for a review for Inside Pulse Movies. So Bush, that's pubic yeah. hair. Yep, absolutely. And Lowry from The Crazies fame is in yes. it. Yes. So, uh, yeah. There's some stars in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. some stars did do uh, sex films. But uh, yeah, so I was kind of disappointed or disappointed, sad to hear of his passing uh, this past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that was it for my week in media. 
So let's move over. I do have a question for you this week, though. Okay. So question of the week. So obviously, all gamers, all three of us here, even though Ash isn't here right now. Yeah, um, hi, Ash. And I feel like every gamer has a system that they can claim as their own. Mm-hmm. The one that either got them into video games or just the system that they've loved playing the most over the years. So, Mark, I ask you, what yes. would you say is, quote unquote, your system? The one that basically means the most to you out of all the different generations and options out there. Which one would you say is your system? That's easy by far. It's the first one I ever owned, which is the Sega Master System. Which is interesting. I, I didn't even know that thing existed until just like recently. Like, well, years ago now, but <laughs> oh. not back then. I got one for Christmas one year and uh, I sold it and then I got another cop- another uh, machine and yeah, I have some, such nostalgic uh, love for the Sega Master System from the simplistic uh, box art mm-hmm. to just the feel of it, how it looked better than Nintendo, it, it did um, and how hard it was to actually find a place that would rent those games because yeah. Nintendo you can find on every street corner. Right. This here, um, it was so. I think it was two places in town in Winnipeg at the time that would actually rent out Sega Mass System games. Um, and if I had to pick a game, like my game, yeah, the original Wonder Boy, which oh okay, I think on the Nintendo there was a shitty version called Adventure Island. Yes, um, yep. it's shitty because it's not Sega. I was gonna say uh, I like that one. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, to me, it's it's Wonder Boy. If I had to get a Retro tattoo, I'd get a Wonder Boy tattoo. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. Although, as much as I love that game, because mm-hmm. that was the first game I ever bought with my paper root money. Ah, oh, there you I go. Remember, yep. it cost me forty nine ninety five, hmm. and I played the shit out of it. Um, but I was also a big fan of the Ghostbusters game at the time, which is different than the Nintendo Ghostbusters, but very similar to the computer and uh, Commodore 64 version of Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So once we get our retro engines, we'll have to, uh, I'll have to try it, try some of those out. Oh, heck yes. I, I have I tried some of them on the PC, but it'll just Not be different same. when it's hooked up to my, exactly. It'll be different when I'm holding the controller, it's on the TV, yep. it'll just feel more legit. Exactly. But awesome. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's gotta be the PlayStation 2. So okay. I started gaming in the era of Nintendo. And uh, uh, like the original NES. And my uncle used to have an insane collection of NES games. Uh, He eventually upgraded to the Genesis in the 16-bit era. And he just gave me all of his old Nintendo games. So that's what got me into gaming. And I guess that's kind of what really started me like needing to have just an obnoxiously large collection of whatever it is I'm doing. Because I had just a huge collection of NES games that were given to me. And so I had all these options. Um, But then I had an SNES and I love that. Um, but for some reason, when the next generation hit, I decided to go Sony PlayStation over Nintendo 64. And okay. my parents got me that for Christmas one year. Um, so I loved all those. But the PlayStation 2 holds a special place in my heart because it was the very first system that I saved up money for, mostly by trading in all of those old video game systems. Um, I remember specifically going into uh, GameStop. It might have even been EB Games at the time and trading in for the first time. I had like two boxes just filled with old Nintendo games and the original systems. Um, and I believe I took in my SNES and all those games as well at that point. And I just kept my PlayStation, which I had modified to play burned games. My uncle took me to a like a Gibraltar Trade Center. <laughs> it was what it's called. <laughs> okay. like, he had some guy like solder in this chip so you could play burned games. 
Um, and I actually just got rid of that one recently. I held that on, I held on to that one forever. But anyway, so I remember getting all that money from those and then going to a GameStop, being impatient and not wanting to wait for the PlayStation 2. And I tried to buy a Dreamcast instead. But fortunately, my dad said that I basically, I, you're being an idiot. Like, just wait for the PS2. And so yeah. he wouldn't let me buy it, which good. Like, the Dreamcast is excellent, but it was dead, like, probably less than a year after I would have bought it as opposed to the PS2, which, you know, lasted a very long time. But um, it's so hard to wait. You I know. know what I mean? It, is, it is so hard to wait. As young as I was, what is that? I was like 13, 14. Yeah, around 2000 when PS2 came out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2002, I think, right? Okay. So yeah, I was like 16 years old. Yeah. So stupid teenagers. Anyway. Um, so I ended up waiting and we ended up getting the PS2 the day it came out. So we actually moved in between the time when I pre-ordered it and when it came out. So I had to have my dad drive me an hour down to our old neighborhood so I could pick up my pre-ordered PlayStation 2. Um, and I think he helped me buy a game or two. And of course the memory card, cause he had to have that. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting uh, Madden NFL 2001, SSX, okay. and Smuggler's Run in my first set of games. Um, and then I went out and bought uh, Dead or Alive 2 and Time Splitters a couple days later. So within the first few months, I had owned those five games plus uh, either I'd owned or rented. I frankly don't remember. Um, but that Ridge Racer 5, Silent Scope, Tekken Tag Tournament, X-Squad, and Unreal Tournament. Those are the games I looked at the launch list. And those are the games I remember playing early on. Um, and I know... I must have traded in a bunch of shit as I was going because I used to do that all the time and I was very spoiled. And so my parents helped out with a lot. Um, But yeah, so of all those games, I remember just being blown away by Madden, SSX and Time Splitters. There were so many good launch titles for that system and those I just loved them. But Time Splitters, I fucking love, man. As good as Time Splitters was, Time Splitters 2 is even better. I actually own that still sitting right next to me here. Um, have you ever played any of the Time Splitters games? No, I just know there's oh. monkeys with guns, right? That's in the second one. Yeah. Okay. No, I never played it. Yeah, but my sister and I used to play the hell out of those. That was like my first um, – I guess it really got to be kind of what got me into the first-person shooter genre because I remember I used to play – like doom and quake when i would go over to my dad's friend's house he had a he had a uh, i had a friend who was the same age as me or a year older or whatever but he used to yeah. have a pc that he would game on and so i would play it some little bit there but mostly it was time splitters they got me into it um and the ps2 also is a system where i had my very first online interaction in gaming with socom uh, U.S. Navy SEALs when the network adapter came out. I'll never forget how crazy I thought the whole thing was that I was playing a game with some guy in Tennessee while I was sitting in my computer room. So oh, I've owned it. It's, it's funny. I had a similar feeling with yeah. the Dreamcast. They had some tank game that oh, okay. uh, that was online. And I remember I yeah. took the day off work and I bought a whole bunch of Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've I'm, I'm, I'm never been an online gamer, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think it comes out to just me not – I see – I like playing games with friends, and when yeah. it's strangers, I just I just don't – it's like social anxiety, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I won't go to a party if I don't know anybody there. I won't yeah. play games online with people I don't know. It, it's right. weird. Exactly. It's weird. No, I hear you. Like, I don't know what it was, but like, I guess it was because it was new back then. So like, I used to play the hell out of SOCOM. I had a friend who was just utterly obsessed, like – Anytime he was up and we weren't at school, he was playing SOCOM online. Um, But for me, so I played a lot of SOCOM and then I eventually got the Xbox and I played a ton of Rainbow Six online. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know why, but I don't really play many games online at all anymore. But yeah, back in that era, I played a decent amount. So yeah, I don't know. So I've owned a ton of systems over the years and I love almost all of them for different reasons. But when it comes to my absolute favorite, the one that kind of, you know, I can claim is my system, it has to be the PlayStation 2 simply because it was the first system I actually pre-ordered and then was able to buy on my own. So that's my long-winded answer, but yeah. So if you guys have a question for us here at the podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag in film we trust for all the questions you'd like to hear us answer on the show, and we're going to do our best to answer them all. So again, make sure you tweet at us using the hashtag in film we trust, which is, of course, oh, just kidding. I have this old. Sometimes you just get in the habit of reading and like <laughs> just keep going. Oh, man. Anyway, if you're not on Twitter call us one three zero two four four eight talk or email us at contact at cinefessions.com for all those question of the week options all right take a swig here yes i will swig too cheers there you go (laughs) (laughs) so let's move over to the pax cast for this week we will be reviewing 1985's weird science yes so if you've not seen Weird Science, there will be spoilers, so you'll probably want to pause the podcast, go watch the film, come on back and hit play and listen to our discussion of it. So again, there will be spoilers. So 1985's Weird Science, written and directed by John Hughes. It has an IMDb score of 6.6 out of the 63,269 votes, a Metacritic score of 46, a 56% tomato meter, and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 69%. It had a $7.5 million budget and a $16.3 million gross. All right. So I already know the answer. I'm going to ask it anyway. What's your history with Weird Science? Uh, first time I saw this movie was probably hmm, maybe three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it before. I know. Being such an 80s nerd, I knew about the film. I enjoyed the TV show the movie was based upon. Ah, see, um, that's important. I I feel like I remember watching on like the USA Up All Night. Like it may have been on there when I was spending the night at my uncle's or something, but I okay. never watched it like uh, regularly or anything. Oh, and you know, and I the Blu-ray that I've got for Weird Science has the pilot episode of the oh, uh, of the show, and um, it's it's funny how much it it took from the actual film, just the okay. beginning of the movie. Um, Vanessa Angel plays Lisa and oh, I had such a crush on her back in the day and I'm sure she still looks gorgeous now. So I probably still would find it very attractive. Yeah. Um, but you know, she was, she was the girl that was in Kingpin, you know, with yeah. uh, Bill Murray and uh, Randy Quaid. And, uh, yeah, I thought she was gorgeous there. Uh, she's, she's so hot in this, in this TV show <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So really I knew, I knew the show more than I knew the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I wanted to watch Word Science for the uh, PAX cast, just because I wanted to watch something I hadn't seen before right. of his. I so can't uh, that TV show went five seasons. Holy shit! I remember it being good back then. I'm sure yeah. if I watch it now, I might have a different opinion on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, this is mid to late '90s, so I was just uh, you know going through high school slash first uh, first few years of college. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I really dug the show back then. I was nine. Hmm. I really <laughs> but, yeah. If you saw Vanessa Angel at nine, 
you would have become a man a lot sooner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember her like uh, checking out some of these pictures. I totally remember um, the cast for this and everything. And so I do, I must have seen a couple episodes, but I, I was young. I don't remember virtually any of it other than I'm sure that the girl was attractive. <laughs> but. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's so weird seeing uh, Bill Paxton as Chet because yeah. I know uh, Lee Terrigen as Chet. Oh, okay. He's the one who played Beecher in the uh, HBO show Oz. Yeah, I've so, seen that, but oh, very good. Uh, but yeah, so so to me, my Chet was Lee Terrigen. Um, <laughs> so that's I was curious to watch this one to see how it would uh, it would compare to the show. Very good. Yeah, and this is obviously a uh, first time viewing for me as well. Um, yeah. So oh, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes, it is. I think the oh, one shit. was Ash. So we're well, we're Santa Bros then. Yep. Exactly. Ah, oh, sweet. We we uh we popped our Lisa cherry at the same time. Yeah, we sure did. Oh, messy. <laughs> a little messy. <laughs> oh gosh. Huh. So, how was your um Blu-ray? Out of curiosity, how was your your picture quality on your Blu-ray? Funny you mentioned that. Okay. It wasn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. It felt a little um it felt a lot like an upconverted DVD. Oh, it, okay. it didn't look sharp as I wanted it to be. Yeah. That said, though, the film is uh, 32 years old. Right. Um, but it wasn't. It it wasn't a uh, Scream Factory uh, release. Let's right. just say it didn't yeah, look mine, as good as a Scream Factory disc. Mine uh, looked when it first turned out. I was like, "Wow, this looks terrible." And like you said, a good description of it would look like a upconverted DVD. But as it went on, I noticed that it, it started to get a lot better. Um, and I didn't have many problems by it. I didn't have any problems at all by the end of it. But right when it started, I was like, holy shit, this looks bad. And I'm wondering, cause I saw your, I saw your, uh, disc that you had. And I'm wondering if it's the same, just oh, it, repackaged. It probably is. Mine is from the John Hughes collection. Okay. Uh, mine, uh, let me just pull up the, the disc here. And, uh, yeah, there's nothing special about it. Like I have the pop art edition, which I picked right. up at Walmart a while back. Um, but it, the disc itself is very generic. So it's probably just repackaging of an old disc. I'm pretty yeah, I'm sure, sure that's all it is. Mine's the same. Yeah, I bet yeah. that's it. But there's there's no art on the disc. It's just uh, the silver and the blue writing. Yeah, we, um, we got the same disc. Yep. Now, did you have a bonus feature called "It's Alive: Resurrecting Word yes. Science"? Yes, I did. Okay, and did you have the TV episode then? Of, I of the- I'm very well may have, but I don't probably, know offhand. Probably do. Yeah, and, and this must have been done a while ago because. This is before, I guess these interviews were done before John Hughes passed away. Oh, okay. Because they're all saying, uh, well, first of all, this Resurrecting Word Science, a four-part uh, documentary, mm. it lasted 16 minutes. So, that was really oh, shitty. Okay. Yeah. I expected a retrospective on the show. Right. And it really kind of sucked. Oh, and um, they're talking about how John Hughes hasn't made any more movies and hopefully he gets back into it. Mm. So, I'm like, oh, this is old then because, uh, yeah, right. he passed away a few years ago now. So Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, I was, was kind of bummed by it. But at the same time, it was a budget title I got for cheap at Walmart. Right. So, I wasn't expecting, uh, you know, uh, an Arrow style or a Scream Factory style uh, presentation. Yeah. Strictly repackaging. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Yeah, I was just curious if you uh, noticed that as well. So, I'm glad that I mm-hmm. wasn't alone. Um, but, yeah. So, this movie is... It was strange, um, and it's was it, funny. Was it weird? Came, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, we went <laughs> back to back movies that are, that were quite strange, from Cherry Falls to Weird Science. Um, but yeah, so right from the top, I mean, 
the word ridiculous kept coming up in my notes. Um, so in that opening scene there, obviously they're watching the girls and the, the two bullies, which that was yep. Robert Downey Jr. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. At first I was like, is that him? And then I was, as the movie kept going, I was like, oh, that's definitely Robbie Down- Robert Downey Jr. Now, would his haircut be considered a pompadour? Oh, man. It, 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 it was very up. I, it was. You're right. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to look up what a what an actual pompadour haircut is. It's like '80s pompadour. Well, yeah. you ever see the movie the the Grad Cowboys Go America? No, I have not. Okay, it's. I guess it's it's an European band, like a rockabilly band. They go to America for the first time, and they've got like the '50s like pompadour. Um. So to me, it reminded me of that film. I don't know why. I think it is. I'm looking at pompadour haircuts, and it looks like what his hair looked like. So I think or at least an 80s version of it. Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A new wave pompadour, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that opening scene when the when the two boys, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, who plays uh, Gary, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ellen Michael Smith, who plays Wyatt. So they're crushing on these girls in the gym, which if I was their age, I would do the same thing. Right. Like, these girls for high school girls were really, really hot. And then they get pantsed by the two bullies. <laughs> and they just stand there. And yes. They don't pull their pants up. I'm like, okay, so this is this is the type of movie we're going to get here. Because that was the first time I wrote down ridiculous. Uh, and but I mean, I'm just thinking, like, they're lingering on their crotches. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, Anthony Michael Hall is packing. He's got a package. Uh, oh, you know? man. You see just, uh, you see why it's a, couple, a little bit later. Because they fucking yes. show his ass and then his his junk when he's wearing the Lisa's the panties. Pants. I was it's, like, why are we watching this? Why is It's it? like, you know what? They don't make movies like this anymore. No, between sure between some of the terminology they might use to describe people. Um, and, and just the scenarios, I'm like, ah, yeah, this is a product of its time. And I enjoy this product. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it, it's, it's awkward. And honestly, in high school, that's one of the most embarrassing things that can happen to you. Yeah. You know, like you get the recurring dream of you show up to school naked. Right. You know, to be pants in front of the gr- the gymnast girls that you're crushing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's more mortifying than that? <laughs> Apart from maybe losing your underwear as well. Thank right. God they had tight gitch, you know? Yep, exactly. But uh, yeah, that that's that's scary. That's that, yeah. that would fuck me up, that's for sure. Um, did you I like so in that so we move from there, we kinda we go to the bedroom uh, their Wyatt's bedroom, right? Um yeah. and uh he, he mentions as Gary's making a mess in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Why it says don't make a mess. The maid doesn't come until Monday. So one that sets up that they have money if they have a maid, right? Which makes sense because he has all this computer equipment, which I feel like in mid eighties to have all the computer equipment he does, that's a fucking lot of money worth of shit. Yeah, they're well to do. The house was pretty pretty yeah, nice. Big. Yep, exactly. Um and uh I love though, I love that he sh- he's literally shaving nothing off of his face. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And obviously, he's probably never shaved before, right? Because yeah. for the amount of uh, cream he used, yep. and how much is how much it is all over the bathroom, uh, <laughs> th- these guys are inexperienced as inexperienced can get. You know, yeah. So it, right. it's it sets a good setting. It sets a good setting, uh, you know, like to really know where these guys are at the beginning of the film and where they end up. Yeah, because these guys are clueless. No, oh, absolutely, absolutely right. 
Um, do you know, and I, I was just trying to look at, do you know the movie they were watching? It looked like a color version of Frankenstein. Is that a real movie? I believe it is. But I was, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm like a colored version of Frankenstein. Ew. Like, <laughs> I, I'm a purist. I want to watch it in black and white. And this looked like a tenic, uh, a uh, technicolored version. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, because the TV show starts off, they're watching Frankenstein as well. And that seems to be the original black and white. This oh. version seemed off to me. Even even the Frankenstein's arms were like a weird shade of green. Maybe it's yeah. because I don't watch Frankenstein in color, but uh, I don't think it's the original. I think it's a it could be a, a one off. Interesting. I'm I'm curious, and I was just kind of because at okay, the same time I don't see anything, so I'm not sure. But they they would have access to the original Universal films because it is a Universal movie, right? So they would have access to the original films. It might just look off because it's in color. Hmm. Yeah, it could just be a colorized, yeah, colorized version of it. Yeah. But, um, so, oh, another part. So the, as they're watching, I thought this was a cool shot. So as they're watching the movie, um, mm-hmm. we get the, uh, he's like, the, the camera look like goes right to his eyes and he goes, do I look serious? And then like the thunder goes right in the background. I thought that worked really well. It was stupid, but it was just, it was really well done. I thought. And, and, and something else, mm-hmm. um, is that, um, Wyatt. He looked like legit, well, at least the character looked legit scared mm-hmm. of the Frankenstein movie. So it, it again shows that these guys haven't seen very many horrors in their lives. Right. You know, like just in general, um, like they've, like they're nerds. They've been teased for, I don't know how many years. And like a movie like Frankenstein, which, you know, I've never found scary again, because I probably didn't start with Frankenstein. I've seen mm-hmm. harsher stuff before and I go back to it and it's mild, you know? But right. he seemed genuinely uh, afraid while watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Like the look on his face, like he almost repulsed. So uh, I found that interesting because you don't really see that when it comes to these movies anymore. At this right. point, you pop in Frankenstein on the big screen or on any TV and people kind of laugh at it. You're like, oh my God, look how hokey it is, right? Right. And he had like the, he was into the film and he was legit terrified. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks like it was just a colorized version of Frankenstein. That's what my oh. uh, quick research here is telling me. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, uh, one of my <laughs> one of the lines I wrote down. Uh, so obviously, uh, Gary has talked about the fact that he has this girlfriend who lives in Canada, which reminded me of Avenue Q because there's a song about my girlfriend who lives in Canada, and uh, he's like. Wyatt says something like, "Oh, what about your what about your girlfriend in Canada?" And he's like, "Gary's like, she lives in Canada. She has no morals." <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. Kind of, it's kind of true, guys. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty loose up here. It's pretty loose. But oh. it's funny too that he mentions that because his character uh, in uh, a previous film. Uh, let me go back here. Um, in the Breakfast 16, Club, sixteen. Oh, Breakfast, Breakfast okay. Club. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character also says or mentions a girlfriend in Canada. Oh, really? Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't. I've seen Breakfast Club, but man, it's been a while now, and I wouldn't possibly remember that. But yeah, huh. so it's, it's it's a callback because um, John Hughes uh, wrote this film during Breakfast Club. Oh, okay. and apparently he wrote the film in two days, hmm. but he had wow. filmed the whole day's worth of. Uh, of uh, Breakfast Club uh, shots. Yeah. And then went home and then talked to uh, Anthony Michael Hall the next day saying, hey, I wrote this part for you in her next film. 
Wow. And he goes, wait, how much did you write? He goes, yeah, I wrote 30 pages. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and he had Anthony Michael Hall in mind the whole time for this role. Hmm. I thought – I was surprised because – what I remember, I remember Anthony McCall from, you know, Breakfast Club and 16 Candles is what I meant when I said Sweet 16. So, I okay. Um, but he was so, he's kind of meek in those roles, right? Yeah. And here, he just came off as a lot more uh, just sure of himself, even though he's playing this character who's, you know, kind of whatever, a quote unquote loser or whatever, just doesn't have I a lot of friends. So. But I thought he was... Uh, just I don't. He looked a lot more mature in this than I than he did in the past. See, I find in this movie he is meek because like they have a part in his house and he's hiding in the bathroom, right? So I think you see his arc of him being sure of himself as the film progresses. But I think he's pretty meek as well. Again, though, like in the settings of the film, you know, first night out they go to a a, a, a blues club. They're fourteen years old. I would be meek as fuck as well, you know? But even with, like, their own crowd, because they don't have any friends, um, they're pretty shy in general, or they hide in closets. Yeah, but even then, I didn't get, like, uh, I, I felt like they were just nervous, I guess. I didn't get, and maybe meek's the wrong word, but I didn't get, like, that kind of weak quality that I did from his from his previous roles, I think. Okay. Um, they, like, I mean, just the fact that they were standing there watching the girls... I, to me, because like that would have been a step like that I wouldn't have taken when I was in yeah. high school. Like that would have made me nervous and I wouldn't have done that. And so I, maybe it's just because I'm such a little bitch that I thought, wow, look at them go, you know. Um, and so right from the start, I was like, oh, these two are <sighs> at least confident enough in themselves in their in their relationship with themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, in their friendship. Um, and so that's, I guess that's where I'm coming from a little bit. See, I think they can hype each other up. Yeah. But then when it comes time to do something, mm -hmm. they get uh, cold feet. Yeah. But I, and, so they, got, they got hyped up to go to the gym to watch their girls do the gymnastics yeah. and ogle them. But then when it comes to talk to them, um, they rather just stay behind and, and not engage. Yeah. But I think in, in what's so interesting or so weird is how witty gary actually is throughout this entire film like his lines are are wonderful oh. i think he's hilarious oh, i i think he wins you know between him and wyatt oh absolutely I, I think he's hilarious which you'll soon discover uh once they go to that blues club mm -hmm. oh my god was he fighting oh. that was so fucking ridiculous i was laughing so hard his voice Yes. I mean, it was spot fucking on, man. And it was like, he kept it up. I was like, wow, this is impressive. Yeah. You know, he, he's so plastered funny. and he's talking to all these other black guys. So he gets a, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a, a, a black intonation in his voice, mm -hmm. like a black bluesman. Right. And, oh, it's so funny. And I like how they accept him as well. Yeah, exactly. After, after taking the shots yep. and still be able to hang out, you know. <laughs> Uh, where they gain their respect and oh, what a funny scene! It what was, a funny I, scene! I definitely was laughing a lot through that one. I really liked that. And the the lines where <laughs> the line oh where uh, where the uh, where the guy asks him, you know, <laughs> why are you with this malaka? <laughs> oh. <laughs> that because oh, that's a Greek uh, term for like scumbag or something, mm -hmm. right? 
<laughs> so so he goes so the, so this Greek guy goes so why are you with this malaka to uh, to kill the rock which we'll get to and uh, she goes oh it's pretty sexual <laughs> and <laughs> I he goes oh I guess I just like malakas or something oh right. I don't remember the words exactly but I think we round that scene or at least that segment three four times it made me laugh <laughs> because back in Winnipeg. Uh, I worked uh, with a girl called Leah, and uh, she's a uh, Greek as well. So we each we kept uh, calling each other Malakas all the time, just because it's funny, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I actually I recorded the segment on my phone. I sent it to, to her via <laughs> via text message. That's awesome. And we had a good laugh. That's oh so yeah, that just me. Oh, that that made my day. Just that scene right yeah. there. Yeah, that's great. That's hilarious. Yeah, and I love he he tells his story. This eighth grade bitch. <laughs> With the titties. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. <laughs> he kicked me in the nuts. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> he just so committed good. so much. And it's just so 100%. good. 100%. Yeah. Oh, what was – oh, fuck. There's another line in there when, when they're driving home. He's like, well, my nuts are halfway up my ass. Other than that, I'm perfect. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. No, that was a funny, funny scene. Yeah. Um. It kind of going back to the Wyatt and Gary thing. I think, mm-hmm. I think Anthony Michael Hall is just a much stronger actor than Ian Mitchell Smith is as well, and so I feel like that yeah. came out in their dynamic as well. I thought uh, Michael Hall was just better. It also doesn't hurt being a child actor and mm-hmm. being on the third film of a John yeah. Hughes. Like exactly. at that point, you know, John Hughes exactly very comfortable. So. It, it, you know, he's able to take risks, especially going back to that um, yeah. that blue scene. Yeah, is that according to the m- smidgen of special features were on the Blu-ray, um, they improvised a lot of that scene. Oh, really? And it worked. Mm. Yeah, a lot of it was improvised. That's awesome. Very good. Mm. Um, so we kind of jumped a little bit ahead, but going back to yes. when they're you know doing the Frankenstein monster part here, Frankenstein's monster part. Um, I love that they they pause and ponder: should we give her a brain? Like that was a legitimate question that they asked. <laughs> I thought that was fucking hilarious. Again, um, kids being kids. Yeah, and I loved the computers. As soon as I saw like the '80s computer shit, it just made me want to watch Hackers again, <laughs> which is a movie we absolutely have to review on this podcast at some point because I fucking love that gem. And but, that got re-released by um, Screen Factory. Factory. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, Shot Factory. Oh, I yeah. don't know if I have it. Bet your ass I own that. I love I'd that have movie. have to double check. An early um, Angelina Jolie, and she's gorgeous. Uh, short hair, don't care. <laughs> so I'm, I was uh, kind of confused, which, I mean, really, who gives a shit? And as soon as the movie went out, I was like, whatever, who cares? But how, like... They just start like hacking into this mainframe of something, and like the other guy, like the security guard's computer, start going nuts, and that's what kind of delivers this whole enough power in order for them to bring their doll to life. But like that was so weird. It was like almost to the point where they just didn't even need it. It was just like whatever. They put so little thought into it. They could have just skipped it almost. Well, it is funny because like, oh, let's just create a girl. Like, okay, right. you know, you've got a computer for a while, so let's program it. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> if it were only so easy. <laughs> like, honestly, th- this movie is like a teenage boy's wet dream. Yes. Like. And it's like as, as um, tr- uh, oh, fuck me. Like uh, stream of consciousness as that as well, almost. 
Yes. Just from one ridiculous thing to the next. And it just doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to tie in. It's just like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah, like, if the, like they present like, bras on their heads and they like that. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I, I think it does help with the reception, but that's just me because now you got two antennas. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, yeah, like if if I were to watch this back in the day as a kid growing up, this would probably be my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> right. It I really would have. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you catch the sign? So as like all the shit's happening, it goes to welcome to Shermer, Illinois. Did you catch what the sign said? You know, you know what? No. And I'll tell you why. I am not fluent in John Hughes. Okay. I've seen Breakfast Club. I've never seen Sixteen Candles. I've never seen Pretty in Pink. Um, so I don't know much about his like little little uh, world yeah. because apparently the high schools named the same high school and all the four films type of thing. So I know very little about John Hughes to be honest with you. Gotcha. Yeah, my my knowledge isn't vast at all. I just. On the sign, I noticed it said, welcome to Shermer, Illinois, one of America's towns. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It's so generic. That's how exactly. boring the town is. It's so fucking stupid, but it was. It made me laugh. So, See, I thought you were going to mention the sign on the door before oh, Lisa no, no. breaks open. Because I think the sign said, um, I don't – I don't break for women or in case of emergency. I don't know. So, something's funny about, you know, I don't break for women. And then, of course, the door breaks open and she comes right. out. Yeah. You know? Yep. You're right. And I I read that and I didn't even, like, think about it, I guess. But I do remember seeing something on there. Yeah. It, it, it was it just it, – it, it struck me as funny. Right. Yeah. You know? Like, like this is the – like, this film is full of juvenile humor. Right. <laughs> you know? And I know. That's the thing. Like, there, there's there's virtually nothing of depth to talk about with this movie. Um, no. like what's, what's the moral here? It's, you know, basically be yourself and they'll like you type of thing. Uh, I mean, that's that basically and, it, you know, that, and just don't rush things. Things will come in time. <laughs> right. That's something, that's something I felt I got out of it. Yeah. Um, because, it, okay. So, so they, they program her, right. Or they program a woman and then not expecting anything. But Lisa comes out and it's Kelly LeBrock. And I'm not sure how old she is at the time. I'm assuming she's in her mid-20s. I would have to imagine, yeah. And she's hanging out with two mid-teens. I think they're like 15, 16 in the, in the, mm-hmm. in the film. Right. And uh, – Yeah, she's 25 around here this time. Yeah. And it's just it, – it's it's so weird to me how, you know, open she was. Yeah. Um, like I mean, just she's like showering. Mean, yeah. She's making out with these, like, 15-year-old boys, too, which is just odd. Where I come back to where I said this probably would have been my favorite film back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like that. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised there's no nudity from her in this movie. Um, I kind of expected some. Yeah. Uh, But just, you know, they're shining with their clothes on. She's completely naked. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I don't know if I want to see her naked in this movie. Because she's so hot she is. that I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to see her naked. Like it, may, it might have taken a bit out of the film for That's me. An interesting because, way to look at it. Okay. Because you know, because <laughs> I, I, I love like I love the eighties hot chick, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, she is the eighties hot chick. Yeah. Like the way the the way her hair, her makeup, mm-hmm. her clothes. And I think if you take those elements away and she's naked. 
I don't know. Uh, maybe it's, I'm just waxing uh, poetic right now, but <laughs> I, I think it was a good idea to leave her fully clothed in her 80s attire. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me, mm-hmm. um, but I felt like I didn't have to see her naked to find her so attractive, you know? Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Mm. Um, so I love after they get out of that shower – they get into these like super 80s like suit coats like he's wearing that light red suit coat and then they leave the room and it turns into an even more 80s suit coat <laughs> like but like cool oh, 80s man. yeah exactly exactly right i thought that was hilarious like again they went from like nerd clothing to cool clothing right yep you know yep um <laughs> um so at that, so they go to that bar, and at yes. that bar, I thought it was very fitting that the teenage boy, what's he? How does he try to connect with the gentleman at the bar? He talks about the trials and tribulations with his parents. He's like, <laughs> "Do you guys know what I'm talking about?" He's like, "Oh, you all probably moved out, but <laughs> Again, <laughs> it's just so dumb. It's very, so funny. very funny, and using you know, uh, using a, a different dialect because yeah. he, he doesn't speak like that, right? Uh, but he's trying to fit in." I thought it was like and, the most eccentric assortment of people I've ever seen in one bar also. Yeah, I can't say I've been to very many uh, Chicago uh, uh, blues bars. Right, yeah. Um, but it, and, and it's funny too because like they walk in and they're like, hey, we shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And Lisa's like, well, why not? It's a public place. Right. And it wasn't it, like it wasn't like in Avengers and Babysitting where it was a bar full of black people. Mm-hmm. They, 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 it was a mixture of everybody. Yeah. You know, he had black, he had white. Eventually, you meet the, the Polish guy with the Malacca thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it's not like it, – to me, it was a lot more diversified. Sure, it was, it was predominantly black because, again, it's Chicago too and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blues club. Right. But the only factor in them might, them not being, you know, maybe welcome there was just their age because, yep, exactly. obviously, everybody was welcome there. Right. Minus the kids, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. I would want to drink with kids. <laughs> I know. You know? I thought this is, I wrote down at this point, I, I, I thought that the movie was going to just like end up being all a dream is how I thought this was going to end. Um, but it's because I hadn't fully grasped the sort of stream of consciousness um, thought or through line that was this film at that point. But that's what I was really thinking at this point was this is just going to be one of those, oh, it never really happened type of things. But but it also would make sense too because it's pretty fantastical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, to create to create a a breathing woman out of thin air because there was no it's no three D printing and there was no raw materials right. used. The, it was the just fucking, the house the pu- puts itself together again at the end. Like <laughs> power of the supercomputer, the military yeah. supercomputer, and she's all these powers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it felt like a dream. It wouldn't surprise me if it was a dream. Right. But lucky for us, it was not. And and only in the 80s, we see a fucking drunk ninth grader driving the car home. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, only the 80s, man. Yeah. And not just any car with a pink Cadillac. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah. But that's it. You never see why drink, right? Because yes, he's in the do. bathroom. Yeah, Does he drink? At the table. Yeah, he's sitting on the table. He's drinking out of the straw. Ah, but was he drinking booze, though? The way he was acting, I thought he was because I thought it was implied that he was that he was had been drinking. Hmm. He was kind of slurry and moving weird. I thought. Yeah, I don't know. I I just I, I don't remember him doing any any drinks, but uh, I could be wrong. 
so a couple seconds later, we enter or enters Bill Paxton yes. as Chet with his. I mean, he looked like a soldier. He got his buzz cut and his uh, his white wife beater on, and just yeah. <laughs> like a douche, frankly. I did not like his haircut at all. No, For that being a that flat top buzz cut, God, did not look good. No, but sure didn't. Um, the scenes with him and uh, his brother were just crazy. So I love that, and and Gary in this one here, Gary like plays with his fucking lips. <laughs> what is going on? Like, how would Chet let that happen? I feel like he would have knocked him out. It was so weird. And I just find Chet doesn't like his brother at all. No, absolutely. You know, like, like I don't have a brother, so I, I, I don't know. Right. But I do have a sister, and I would never treat her the way that Chet yeah. treated White in this film. Exactly. Like, so harsh, and for no reason. Right. You know, no reason whatsoever, but so harsh. Mm-hmm. But also very funny. Right. Definitely was. I I loved uh, Lisa's line, you made me, you control me. She just, that was so sexy. The way she said that and the way it was set up, I was like, oh my gosh. And, and it's also said like earnestly. It's not like she's a prisoner. Right, yeah. She doesn't feel like a prisoner and she's not a prisoner. Right. She, it, it's more of a loyalty than, mm-hmm. than anything else, you know. And the, there's two things I like about this film a lot is one, the guys don't use her. Mm-hmm. You know, she, exactly. she is trying to enlighten or enrich their lives. Yeah. She's not being used and abused, which that I liked. Mm-hmm. And two is that she never turns evil. Right. I, I expected a heel turn at the end or something <laughs> where they, you know, and it never happens. Like she, she's generally a nice program. Mm-hmm. She, she, she loves her makers yeah. and she will protect them. But she she never goes bad. So she will act revenge upon people who, who you know, uh, are mean to to them. Right. But her herself never goes evil in any way. And I found that kind of refreshing. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. So we go from we go from the little boy bulge and ass to yeah. bare Bill Paxton ass. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I didn't expect – well, first of all, like, I don't know about you, but I never go to the kitchen in my towel after I shower. No, I, yeah, me either. I don't – You yeah. know, so knowing are- that, you know, his brother's staying there mm-hmm. with his buddy and Lisa and then him going down to the shower or yeah. coming out of the shower, going to the kitchen, stealing his breakfast and then tells him to cover up by disrobing. It's just <laughs> so weird. It's very funny. It's very, very God. funny. I forget who were they talking. Oh, so the boys go to the mall and they're trying to buy the like perfume. <laughs> yeah, and he gets like she's a sex pot, is what she is. I that that fucking Gary man cracking my shit up again. She's a sex pot. I and thought that was he, so funny. He he must be a James Bond fan because he's mm-hmm. he's just rehashing lines in movies he's heard. Right. Yeah. I don't think he knows what a sex pot is. <laughs> um, I don't know what a sex pot is. Oh man. Uh, the bully. What did you think of the bullies? Uh, you mean uh, Downey Jr. and yeah, Ian and Max? Yeah. Um, typical eighties villains, right? You know. Um, again, they're bullying just because they're nerds, mm-hmm. but they all want the same thing at the end. Is right. to, you know, in different forms. You know, Max and uh, and the other guy. Yeah. They want Lisa, and they act 
how Wyatt and Gary act mm-hmm. with other girls. Yeah. Because like they have game with girls that they know they can get. Right. But when it comes to Lisa, they have no game at all. Mm-hmm. And that, that outfit she was wearing in the mall. Ooh. Oh, my, I know. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't. I'm like, why is she wearing a jacket? Oh, it's because she's wearing pretty right. much a Band-Aid around her chest. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Yeah, maybe she should wear a jacket too. That's funny. I love the cars that the guys got just out of nowhere. Um, like at, when they're leaving the mall, he just – Gary pulls out with this Porsche, um, the pink Cadillac earlier. Um, I forget there's uh, – A Ferrari. Ferrari, yes, later mm-hmm. on. Um, just – that's awesome. Like Typical oh, 80s excess. It's- yep. Absolutely. I wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah. (laughs) So she's walking through the house. She's going to have the party at their house. And she's walking through the house and turning lights on with a flick of her wrist, which was a a different and a new element that was added in. I I didn't notice that. Yeah. She's just like flicking her wrist and the lights would come on and everything. I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay. So, so what is she? Is she really like, she's just electrical impulses, right? I would so imagine she can, she like she can control electricity and whatnot. She like she can change the kitchen colors. Like yeah, she froze the grandparents. Like yeah, I'm just trying to think exactly what what she is. Like she's just an an electrical being with AI, or if she really is skin and bones. But I don't think she is because I I, I think if anything she's just a an electrical representation. Of the Barbie doll mm-hmm. with the pictures that they fed into uh, right. oh into the God. scanner. I totally – I forgot to even mention that. Yeah. I loved how when they were feeding – it's not just getting like the image, but it was like the the personality of those people. Like they put Einstein, a picture of Einstein in to get the, the smarts. Like yeah. uh, just so ridiculous. And just, it, it is what this movie is. Yeah. It was a very complex calculation to balance yes. beauty with brains. You right. Know? Yeah. And apparently you do that with Time Magazine and Playboy. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Yeah. That scene when they're at uh, Gary's – with Gary's parents, Mm -hmm. that was just like – that was jarring to me. She starts attacking the parents out of nowhere. Um, And one of my favorite lines was when she was like – or when Gary says, "Uh, compliments embarrass me. You know that. He's like – Trying to defend himself about she's saying that he's like jacking off in the bathroom with magazines <laughs> and everything. Like, oh, yeah, so ridiculous. But then she pulls out the fucking gun and and on the parents and Gary still ends up going with her. I was like, what the fuck just happened here? Like, that was fucked up. And uh, but then two seconds later. The parents have forgotten about all of it. In fact, the, the dad's forgotten so much he doesn't even know who his son is anymore. Like, and I was like, okay, fine. I'll, yeah, this <laughs> that scene did feel a little out of place. Yeah, because yeah. it shows Lisa being a little vicious, mm-hmm. but for a noble purpose, right? For her creator, right? Exactly. Um, so it just shows how protective she is of Wyatt and Gary, and that she'll do practically anything. Yeah. Is but even threatened the creator's parents to let him go to a party. Exactly. And I think what got me the most in that scene is that the dad, I remember him from the movie The Great Outdoors, where he's the guy that got hit by lightning 66 times. Oh, that was him. Okay. That was him. And that's where, like, I've never seen that actor in other movies, or at least yeah. never recognized him in other movies. <laughs> and he's in this one. So, yeah. 
It's really funny. I did not uh, did not do that, make that connection at all. But ah, uh, yeah, my brain's wired differently. Eh? Right, so. it, it is. Yep. Yeah, I think it's a loose morals up in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I love. See, it's always good to see the bullies put in their place, and the bartender who was obviously the guy, one of the men that they met at the bar a yep. couple nights earlier. He handled them perfectly, uh, and it was just it was it's very cathartic to see stuff like that, and I loved it. Yeah, I find, you know, how that's like the first step of them kind of chilling out with these two guys. Because mm-hmm. then, you know, they become, well, obviously, they're, they're, they're wanting Lisa. Yeah. And instead of saying no, they're like, well, we'll build one for you. Yeah. You know, uh, which completely backfired. And I'm thinking, fuck, who's going to be this girl in this movie? Because I don't remember another girl, like, right. on the packaging or whatnot. So, I, I, was so- I myself... Uh, I, me too. I was curious. I'm like, who's, who's going to be this chick with these huge boobies? Because right. they just made the, yeah. the, 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 the knockers just ridiculous, you know? Yep. So I'm wondering who that who they cast to be in this role. And mm-hmm. is she going to be an evil version? Because it was kind of rushed. Is she going to be like an evil Lisa to yeah. fight good Lisa? Right. And it turns out we're getting – we get a, a nuclear missile. Yeah. So <laughs> – Because that's what makes sense. Not sexy. Yeah, right. Um, it got like slapstick for a moment there when they were in the bathroom and the, and the uh, like the cute high school girls come up. Mm-hmm. The ones that they're attracted to. And uh, what's his name? Um, Wyatt yells from the background uh, as Gary's looking out the door. He's like, Gary was just taking a shit. The door closes. We hear a slap. And then he opens it again. I was oh, okay. I mean, it was so stupid, but I still fucking laughed. And I, that's a good summation of the entire thing. It was just all so dumb, but it, it made me laugh. And that's what it was made for, you know, that humor. That was funny. And to continue with the slapstick. Yes. Was the next morning when Gary is with uh, Deb, the blonde girl. Yep. And, and Chet confronts Chet. him with the, with the rifle. Right. It keeps banging them in the head, <laughs> which I thought was funny. But then when he banged her in the head. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is hilarious. He just doesn't give a fuck about anybody. Exactly. He's such a douche. Oh, such a douche. But man, he made me laugh. Yeah. I thought Deb looked even more gorgeous in the morning than she did at night because she like was wearing less makeup. Yeah. And I was like, wow, he is very pretty. Yeah. Her name is Suzanne Snyder. Okay. And look at IMDb. Um, she's in movies that I enjoy, which I just don't remember. Oh, okay. uh, she, she's in Killer Clowns, but I didn't recognize oh. her in Killer Clowns hmm. and Return of the Living Dead Part 2. So oh, I need to I've revisit these one. two films. Oh, you've never seen it? No, I've only seen the first of that series. Oh, it's pretty good. Not as good as one, but uh, it's still pretty good. But uh, yeah, so like I I have no recollection of them being in those movies. Hmm. So I have to rewatch those. Yeah, definitely. Um, the scene with them in the shower uh, the the boys, so they get in the shower and they let the girls go to the mirror and talk and you get like the shot of just the lips and the music. It was very old spy show. Um, and mm-hmm. I, it's a show that I'm forgetting the name of, but it get was smart. like, get smart. Thank you. I wrote down Mr. Smart. <laughs> That's <what I'm> <laughs> very, very get smart. Okay. Yeah. I, I liked that. I liked that nod. Cause I, I sort of caught it. I knew what it was trying to reference. I just couldn't think of the name, <laughs> but I thought that was cool. So we didn't talk about the uh well I guess we're we're heading towards that. Do you want to talk about the whole biker situation? Yeah. And how absolutely. weird that was? Absolutely. <laughs> so what I loved about that though 
Yeah. Was that Michael fucking Berryman was in this movie because I love Michael Berryman. But, yes. Uh, yeah, that was just so strange. It turns to like Mad Max-ish. Well, that's exactly it because the uh, the was main guy right? with the makeup, mm-hmm. well, that's Vernon Wells who was in The Road Warrior. Oh, so okay. They, they, they actually uh, cast the guy in The Road Warrior to be the Lord General in Weird Science. And he's practiced. Same haircut. Makeup's a bit different. In The Road Warrior, he had like a a little like boy slave. Mm-hmm. And, and this one, it's a girl. But it's practically, it's almost the same role. That's interesting because um, earlier on, um, when Ian and Max are talking to Lisa for the first time, uh, Ian's like, I'm Ian, he's Max. And they're like, we call him Mad Max or something. So, I mean, there's a lot of references to that in here. Well, apparently John Hughes was a big fan of the film. Yeah, oh, and okay. And wanted to find a way to put an aspect of that into this movie, hmm. which – or just in any of his movies, which is weird to begin with because yeah. you don't associate warriors <laughs> with this, right? Right. And it's kind of extreme of Lisa to have these guys created to terrorize the party mm-hmm. just so that Wyatt and Gary can grow some balls and yeah. stand up to authority. Right. Kind of harsh if I do say so myself. Hmm. Because I don't think anybody at that age would be able to stand up to those I guys. Know. I know. At my age, I wouldn't stand up to those guys. That's what I was thinking. Like, the guy has a fucking, like, he had like a shotgun in his hand or something. Some yeah. large weapon. And I mean, like, he's really going to talk to him that way? I mean, yeah, he pulls out this gun, but still, there's three of them and they have much bigger guns. <laughs> like, yeah. Know. It was strange. But I, my fucking favorite part is when Michael Berryman, he's leaving, he goes, God bless you. And he. <laughs> on his bike and pulls out it was so fucking dumb oh, oh but it made me laugh i love yeah, Berryman, man i love that guy yeah he's great um one thing i thought was strange and i thought okay they're doing this to add tension it's random as hell but they're doing this to add tension so all of a sudden we see this dinner scene of the grandparents having dinner and they're like oh we're gonna go meet see what our grandson's up to and i'm like oh okay so these characters we've never seen before are just tossed in and, and i thought the reason was to add tension so then they get there and they don't really do anything with it. Lisa just like freezes them and puts them in the cupboard. That's it. So I was like, what was, what was even the point of the grant of having the grandparents? Well, I, I think again, myself personally, you know, I'm very attached to my grandparents. Yeah. Um, so I think this just shows t- to the audience again, that Lisa will do anything to make sure that her creators are okay. Yeah. Because they're going to shut down the party. And she wants the party so that they can break out of their shells. Right. So she will even freeze film members to accomplish her goal. Again, not being malicious, just, you know, thinking black and white, mm-hmm. you know, yes and no. So she made the decision to take that element out of the situation. Yeah. I feel like, man, I don't know. Maybe that it, it was weird. done that with Chet. And, well, right, yeah. but he's never—he wasn't around that often, though, right? Because then, in the, like, then the, the the following morning after the party, mm-hmm. he'd come back from hunting. So right. even though yeah. he's there for the weekend or whatever, he's not really at home a lot. So yeah. the boys are left to their own devices most of the time, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought it was weird just to have the 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 parents or the grandparents in the in the cupboard. Yeah. And them not really caring too much either. I know exactly. You no, know, they're not really protesting Lisa's methods, right? Yeah. Um, so back to what you're talking about when the so when the guys were trying to summon the next girl, 
Yeah. I mean, what just ridiculous, nonsensical shit that happens. Like the parents in the picture start dancing. Uh, the girl playing the piano gets stripped down. Oh, yeah, we do have nudity in this. A smidge of nudity, yeah. Yeah, because she gets stripped down. We actually – don't we see everything? No. Uh, no. Well, you, you see a bit of – I think if you're freeze frame, you can probably see a nipple. But her back's mostly towards the camera, so you do see the shape of the breast. Oh, okay. But it isn't really a clear shot. Oh, isn't? But I thought it, it was it, for some reason. Yeah, well, at least my version wasn't. Um, but I found funny because, like, she's playing piano, and I'm like, fuck, I know that face from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, she was Miss Playboy 1982, or she was October 1982, which that obviously I wouldn't have known because I was only three. Right. But she starred in a whole bunch of Andy Sedaris movies. No shit. Yes. She's got to get naked there if she was in Playboy and then doing an Andy Sedaris films. Totally naked. Yeah, we got to totally watch those. But I'm like, There's a good arc we need to do is an Andy Sedaris yeah, arc. I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I'd be up for that. But that's why I'm like, I, that face looks familiar. And I'm like, yeah, she's in uh, – she's in um, uh, hard oh, shit. Hard I don't have my. No, let me go back here if I can find her IMDb credits, and I probably won't now. But uh, <laughs> I think she's in the hardship to Hawaii or some stupid. Anyway, she's in a few. Uh, I think Picasso Trigger, but she's oh. in a few movies. Um, hard of Andy Sedaris. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so yeah. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I'm like, ah, oh, okay, that's where it comes from because, yeah. like, I know his movies by having like you know. You watch them and then you kind of forget those movies, right? But you just remember them being cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she's in a few of the cool movies. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I own that set, like the girls, something G strings, girls, guns, guns and G strings. Yeah. Um, but I've not watched any of it yet, and so that would oh. be definitely a fun one to do in the future. But that would be so much fun because yeah. one of my favorites is uh, Malibu Express. I've actually oh. got the one sheet for it. Nice. It is so fucking good. <laughs> and I saw this really young when I shouldn't have watched it. Mm-hmm. There are movies in this That's movie. That's the best one. Best yeah, time. and it's funny. I was collecting comics in the in the nineties, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, when I when I get old, I'll be able to sell my comic books and buy a boat and live on the boat like the guy from this movie. <laughs> oh, it's awesome! It's ridiculous. Of course, uh, I won't because uh, these comics are worth nothing. Right? Because yeah. it's during the comic boom, yep. where everybody collected, so exactly. there's nothing where I bought them. <laughs> um, I don't think Spawn One is going to buy me a boat in Florida, but you know, yeah. You never know. That's right. But uh, yeah, I would love to do an arc of Andy Sedaris films. Hell yeah. It would be so much fun. Yeah. Um, so we get the moral of the story pretty much laid out uh, for us. She says, when you're – yeah, I think Lisa says, when are you going to learn that people will like you for who you are, not what you can give them? I was like, okay, well, there's one of the morals of this story here laid out for us in plain English. It's, it's a pretty good lesson. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, – so the missile being in the house, did that scene remind you? So it reminded – it felt very reminiscent of the car going through the window scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which obviously came out after this. But that's what it reminded me of, just the way why it was responding to the whole thing. Oh, you know, I never made that uh, connection. Okay. Um, I was thinking for some sort of reason to think of Red Dawn just because it's a missile. I, I don't know why oh, it's okay. dumb. But, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, and it never dawned on me the whole uh, Ferris Bueller thing. Yeah, I thought that, but yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously we get the killer mutants here. Um, mm-hmm. I Did like the when they were in the... before. What'd you say? Did the, mutant ha- the mutants happen before the missile or after the missile? After the missile. It was, eh? Okay. Yeah. Um, I like when they were in the closet and uh, one of Gary's lines is, we can deal with shame. Death, 
death is a much deeper issue. <laughs> uh, I mean, he just has some really good lines in this. I really liked his uh, his line. And the, de- and the delivery was really good, too. Exactly, exactly. Good sense of timing. He's like, uh, I forget what they were talking about, but he says, dicks sometimes do the weirdest things. Um, I don't know, just some of the lines are just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, so we get we get through all this just kind of nonsense, right? And then all of a sudden, the movie comes to a screeching halt. We get these two really slow scenes with the guys talking to their love interests. Um, and it just felt so slow compared to the rest of the film. The rest is like frantic. And this slows down to nothing. It wasn't terrible, mind you. It just felt so out of place to what we'd seen up to that point. Out of place, but at the same time kind of necessary. Mm-hmm. Because you know they're not going to end up with Lisa at the end. Right, exactly. It was the whole point of the, of the damn movie, right? Exactly. So you kind of needed these slower moments just because we just saw a lot of crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see crazy shit after after yeah. these scenes. Right. Um, so you kind of need to break up the momentum a bit. Yeah. And this was necessary to the storyline. Yeah, it was just kind of jarring because it's the only time I feel like it gets that slow. And then yeah. it picks up again right afterwards, really. Yeah, uh, it sure does. Chet walks in with the carrying the dead bird, which was just an awesome image. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought Paxton with this, his role, he's he's playing one note because that's what the character calls for but i thought he did a really good job being that douchebag you know what i mean like that's what he was there for and he did a really good job with it um and he was able to find the comedy in it that we needed um, and he he's a goofy uh, douchebag yes he's got that shitty you know that shit eating grin right and his laugh he, is just the goofiest fucking thing yeah like he's a, he's as much of a nerd as chet yeah. and or as uh, as uh, gary and wyatt are right except he has really to take it out on Exactly. Yeah. Um, I love that not only does Gary run from the cops, but he actually escapes the cops. I thought that was hilarious. Thank you, Train. Yep, exactly. And, and I'm glad because I was afraid that he would get caught by the cops. I'm like, yeah. ugh, they don't need a, a, a police scene in right, this movie, you yeah. know, where he has to get bailed up by Lisa or Lisa, you know, zaps all the lights or something. Right. Like, I'm glad they got away. Mm-hmm. Um, another one of um, Gary's lines, he says, because I want you to like me for what I am or who I am, whatever the hell it was. Um, mm-hmm. And again, the moral of the story spelled out for us. But do you think is it is that moral taught well or is it implemented well, do you think? Do we get that lesson through the film without them spelling it out for us? Um, I would say yes, because like the girls – didn't have sex with them, but they did stay over and like slept with them, mm-hmm. you know? And at that point, I believe, I believe they liked them in the bathroom and right, it just, I think their like of them got stronger with the tasks they had to perform mm-hmm. by getting rid of the road warriors and, uh, and just dealing with the party themselves. Like the fact that they were able to throw that party, impress them too. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so like, is, is the argument that, because, like, obviously, them standing up to the the warriors, like, that's not something they would normally do. So, is the argument that this was all inside of them all the time and it was just a matter of Lisa bringing it out? And so, this uh, is totally. the real them? I, I, I would think so. Okay. Like, because they could have they could have turned around and ran, you know, or they could be like, hey, call the police. But no, they dealt with it themselves because they know they can, mm-hmm. but they were just, they needed the, the, pushing so that they could actually do it themselves yeah you know hmm. um so i think it was always within them right 
Yeah. At least I, that. I, that, that's, how, that's how I saw it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I love that uh, Lisa turned Chet into a fucking like mini Jabba the Hutt. Well, he, he got turned into a piece of shit. Is like, that what I it thought was? He, I thought he was shit. I, 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 it just looked like a mini Jabba the Hutt. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just like a fucking – I had no idea. Just a thing. But it reminded me of Jabba the Hutt. That's why I wrote that down. Oh, totally. But I, I think it was, you know, the, he treated his brother and his friend so shittily yeah. that I'm going to transfer you over to a, a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. So that's what I I it, thought it, it was shitty. Was it very well could have been? I didn't. I just missed that word line or whatever. But it very well could yeah. have been. But I thought that was just random as hell. And oh, so random! I wasn't expecting it <laughs> like, at all. What the fuck, man? We freeze the grandparents. That's one thing. And now all of a sudden we're turning somebody into a pile of shit. Like hello, another. Which level. brings it back to the to the fun part of the. Uh, a fun element of the film, you know? Right. You had your serious moments where you got the girl and whatever. Yep. And now let's get back to the silly. Yeah. Like you've got a missile in your house, you know, right. your, your kitchen's all colored blue. Uh, the, the, the piano is in the, in the ravine, yeah. you know? Uh, um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I think, I think that scene, it's what you needed to bring it back onto its loony pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she, she disappeared after the lesson is learned and they, they get what they need. She just disappears into this cloud of smoke. And I was writing down, now I imagine everything's going to fix itself. And that's exactly what happened. So everything just starts going in reverse. And I love the shots of yeah. everything put, being put back together. I thought that was really cool. Obviously, you're just you know film, doing it in reverse. But I thought it looked really cool either way. Yeah. I was sad that she was leaving. Yeah. And you know the thing is that she genuinely loved her creators. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to be with them. Yeah. But she understood that she was showing them that they can get who they want. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, she she knew the end game was them hooking up with the girls their age. Mm-hmm. And her the age disparity between her and them didn't bother her in the least. Um, but it was it was sad to see her sad but happy for them. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a touching moment. Uh, again, I expected her to be pissed off. or She never got mad. No. She only got mad at other people, but not them. Right. Which, again, thought I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very interesting. I So, the parents come home, and uh, everything's put back together. And so, Wyatt tries to go hug his dad. And his dad's <laughs> like, no. No. And he shakes his hand and says, I'm like, good Lord, what a prick. But it makes sense given what we know of Chet. Yeah. It just like the whole family dynamic makes sense, more sense when that happens, you know, and it's small, but it, well, but it was just did, well. Didn't he make a comment like, be a man or like a man? I Did he? I don't know. I didn't catch yes. that. Yes. Yes. Like he goes to, he goes to him and goes, no, 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 like a man oh, and gives out his hand. Ugh. Which okay. makes a bit of sense because, you know, Wyatt was slightly effeminate, at least with his voice. He had a higher pitched voice. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, his dad was tough on him like he was on Chet to yeah. make him ready for the real world. Because Gary seemed a little older for his age, mm-hmm. but Wyatt seemed more naive than Gary. Yeah, definitely did. Yeah. You know, more sheltered at least. He's the mama's boy. Chet's the, I guess, the father's boy but yeah. why it is by it's easily the uh, a mama's boy in this film i loved just thinking about that i loved gary's interaction with his parents i wouldn't have mind seeing seeing more of that because i thought they were very funny together 
Yeah, and it shows too, you know, Gary lives in the house that's got a different income style than oh, White yeah. does. Yep. They're a lot uh, more middle class than and White's more upper class. Mm-hmm. Um and, and and it just showed with the family and just that scene with with Lisa, the way the father was reacting and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I think I had enough of the fa- of the parents there. I didn't want to see too much of the family mm-hmm. in general. I just want to see more interactions with Lisa and the kids. Yeah. Just because that's that's where the fancies start, you know. Again, if I was like a you know a boy that age, I'm like, yeah, give me more Lisa. I want to see. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see Gary's dad. Okay, <laughs> give me Lisa. That's fun. So, uh, what does this movie end on? But Mark's favorite, an '80s aerobic outfit. How perfect! <laughs> oh, so so perfect, and not just an '80s aerobic outfit, but also a uh, gym teacher. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my know. god. That was a great ending. Great, great parting oh. shot there for us. Okay, question for you. Yeah. I'm not sure if you noted this down, but at the end, when she appears in her in her aerobic outfit, gym teacher thing, mm-hmm. you remember what music was playing? Was it the weird science song or was it the Rocky theme? Ugh, I genuinely don't remember. Okay, because apparently there's different edits, and in some edits they play the Rocky theme, like minded. Other edits, they play the Oingo Boingo Weird Science song. Oh, that's weird. I, I'm just curious to what you got, but... Uh, I don't know. I'll have to you look after know. and let you know. Huh. Really strange. Anyway. All right. So, what uh, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for Weird Science? And anything else you have to add? Uh, I, I thought this film was so much fun. I don't know why I waited so long to watch it. I've known about it for for decades <laughs> um the poster is a poster I've, I've wanted to purchase for a long time i just haven't found one that was cheap enough um when i when i am searching for posters at least uh yeah i, I loved it kelly lebrock is an 80s babe uh she would have been one of my teenage dream girls um i looked up recent pictures i think she still looks fantastic um yeah uh from beginning to end I expected things to happen. They didn't happen. It made me happy. Um, I loved it. I, I would love to see this film with a commentary. If there's another edition with a commentary track or more of a retrospective on the film itself, um, because what we got for special features on my copy was pretty piss poor. Um, I loved it. I've, I would give this a solid three and a half out of four. Three and a half. Excellent. Yeah. So, for me, so uh, Weird Science is another strange movie, but in a different way than Cherry Falls. Um, this time, the zaniness stems from the 80s aesthetics and the just completely out there story that had literally no boundaries it was trying to stay within. Uh, it's a story of two high school geeks hitting the girls by being themselves and is told with humor and incredibly sexy women, which is why I'm sure it has this cult following behind it all these years later. It's very memorable because of how out there it is. Uh, and it made me laugh a lot. It's definitely an enjoyable, if nonsensical, trip, and that alone makes it one worth watching. Um, as for Bill Paxton in this one, I mean, frankly, he isn't really used all that much, uh, but he is an essential character that he that acts as a buffer between the parents and the boys. Um, his performance as Chet is exactly what it needs to be, though, and he's very unlikable, which is the point. He does well with the role, even if it doesn't ask too much of him. So, Weird Science definitely has earned its reputation over the years, and I'm going to give it three out of four stars. Cool. 
So, yeah. So next week we continue with the PAX cast. We are watching – Ash and I will be talking about A Simple Plan, I believe, the noir. So it's going to go yes. from uh, Paxton playing a comedic role to a like a supporting comedic to the drama to horror to back to comedy. So it will be good, uh good full circle we'll take with this PAX cast. Yeah, I look forward to hearing it just because I've never seen a simple plan either. So uh, I'm going to watch it and follow along. Hells yeah. All right. So let's move over to round 23, the best thing, the backlog challenge. So this is where we try to conquer our personal backlogs one week at a time. And as a reminder for this feature, each of us takes a look at the other's unwatched pile, be it their home video collection or one of their streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, or Vudu, and pick one film the other hasn't seen yet and challenge them to watch that film before the next podcast where they then give a short review of the film. So this week, it is Alfred Hitchcock week. Yeah. Mark, you are watching, or you rather, you did watch Rear Window from 1954, and I watched yes. Vertigo from 1958. So these are both Hitchcock films. The other um, notable thing is that both of these films we picked from the other's um, like personal cinefashions list, those 10 films that we felt like we should have seen for whatever reason and just haven't. And so we knocked two out of the, the 20, I guess, between the two of us. We knocked one each off of our list. So, Mark. Um, yes. Actually, I watched Rewindow. I rewatched Rewindow. So let's talk about that second. So I'll talk about Vertigo first, if that's cool with you. Go right ahead. Excellent. So Vertigo was really one of the main films that spawned the entire idea for Cinefessions. So as some of you may know, Cinefessions is a combination of cinephile and confessions. Uh, cinefessions. So and our, our, our very first tagline was the confessions of a cinephile. The idea being that we all have films that we're ashamed to admit we haven't seen. Um, but this was a website for us to not only admit those blind spots, but correct them. And I'm, I'm proud to say that that idea really, uh, you know, that, that idea, that goal is something that stuck with us all the way to now, five years after Cinefessions was first created. Um, it just lives on in, in different ways, maybe. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because Vertigo was one of those films that I've known I've needed to see for a very long time. And I just never sat down and hit play to watch it. Um, it finds itself on top I'm usually at the very top of many of the greatest films of all time lists. And it's often considered Hitchcock's masterpiece, which is saying a great deal given his uh, filmography. So Vertigo was one of the films that came to mind first when I, when I was figuring out a specific list of 10 movies to add to our lists when we originally made them a few years back. And then obviously we updated them at the start of this year, of course. Um, so really, I didn't have any idea what Vertigo was about heading into it. I didn't realize that until I started watching it. Um, but I'm really glad I went into this one blind. So it's about Scotty, who is a retired detective, and he takes on this job from his old college buddy. Um, his friend thinks that his wife is possessed by the spirit of her dead great-grandmother, and he's worried about her. So he convinces Scotty to track his wife's whereabouts to see where she goes every day. Um, finally, Scotty, he reluctantly agrees, and he starts following her around the city. Um, so there's a lot more to this one. And it goes in places I didn't expect at all, but it, it is an absolute masterpiece. Um, Hitchcock's use of color and, and not only color, but texture in his shot selection is breathtaking. Um, the composition of every fa frame is just, it's wonderfully intentional in a way that lesser directors couldn't possibly match if they wanted to. Um, there are a lot of long gaps in this one without any dialogue, but the score and the intrigue really push it forward. 
Um, it always pushes on, even when we're listening to a monologue from a bookkeeper or some other seemingly unimportant moment. Um, so as impressed as I was with the movie for the first 75 minutes or so, it wasn't until about the last 45 minutes where it really started to like punch me in the gut. Um, the final moments are just fascinating. And as the screen went blank, black, I was literally saying in my head, please don't be over. Please don't be over. Please don't be over. And then the credits hit. No, oh, I was like, fuck. Hitchcock left me wanting more. And he delivered on his famous quote where he said to, you know, quote, always make the audience suffer as much as possible. Suffer I did and Vertigo stayed with me long after it was over. It is essential viewing for students of film because of the technical aspects. And it's an absolute must see for for movie fanatics because of the storytelling. I, Vertigo has it all. And I absolutely fell in love with it. So I'm giving Vertigo four out of four stars. It is awesome. And oh my gosh, the the lead actress, just stunningly beautiful. Intimidatingly so. Intimidatingly so. I loved it. Vertigo's fantastic. Have you seen Vertigo? That's the one with Kelly LeBrock, right? Yes, Kelly LeBrock. Yeah, ah. No, I have not I have not seen it. I have not okay. seen that Vertigo. Yeah. I have to say, I am not that uh, familiar with movies from the 50s. Yeah. Um, I want to be. That's why I added the rear window to mine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I'm I'm very limited in my viewing of films of this uh, of, of this era. Right. So uh, yeah, it's something I, I'd like to uh, to correct as the years go by. But uh, well, you did you did uh, knock one off your blind spot list with rear window. I did. So go ahead and talk about that one. Okay, so another uh, Hitchcock film from 1954. Uh, this one stars James Stewart. As uh, LB Jeff Jeffries, he's a axed photographer that uh, broke his leg in a uh, during a film sh- uh, during a photo shoot at a uh, car um, car race. Yeah. So he's been laid up in his apartment for six weeks now, and he kills time uh, because he's wheelchair bound. He kills time by just staring at the uh, neighbor's apartments, uh, which I found really odd that nobody would draw their blinds. <laughs> I know. Everybody the has their windows open. Yeah. Um, so so between his boredom, he, he notices uh, a type of domestic dispute uh, with a guy across the street and his wife. Next thing you know, wife is missing, and he suspects that the husband killed her and now he's trying to prove to his uh officer buddy uh lieutenant or detective lieutenant thomas doyle that uh there's a killer a, a killing actually occurred but there's no proof of it um as well involved would be his girlfriend uh, lisa fremont which i didn't know that was grace kelly I, uh, when i saw the film i know i didn't either but oh my god wow. and the fact too um Lars Torwald, who plays the man across the street. Which is just the fucking perfect name for him, yes. I didn't know that was Raymond Burr. That was Raymond Burr, and yeah. I had no idea. Uh, he had white hair, which – see, the white hair seemed off to me. It did me uh, as well, yep. He looked he looked too old for his face. Yeah. You know? Uh, but yeah, that's fucking Perry Mason. I had yeah. no idea. I wish I thought it was cool. So on top of uh, Grace Kelly's Lisa, there was also um, was it Stella who plays the masseuse? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. So he played. Uh, so Stella, or pardon me, um, Thelma Ritter plays Stella, who's a court uh, 
or insurance appointed nurse for um, for James Stewart's character of Jeff while he's recuperating at home. And at first she thinks his rumblings are nonsense, but then she gets involved into the story just like Lisa did. And uh, then they're all out. They all want to, uh, they're all in, uh, I guess, enraptured by the story and want to prove that Lars Storwald killed his wife. And that's pretty much the, the, the whole gist. The whole movie is based in uh, James Stewart's uh, apartment and him staring at his neighbors, which you've got one that has uh, that can get a man. She's I guess she's a little older it's in age. Hearts. Yeah, she can't find anybody. Then you've got the new couple that just keep fucking. Yep. Um, my favorite, obviously, is the uh, the dancer. Oh God, she's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, she's gorgeous. Um, Miss Torso. Yep. And then you've got you know uh, you've got uh, a couple that I guess don't have air conditioning in their apartment, so they sleep <laughs> on the fire escape. That was awesome. Which, with a small dog, which is involved in the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had never seen this movie before. I've always wanted to. You know, it's referenced in so many different things because it's an iconic story. And uh, w- would you consider this a film noir? Um, is this a film noir? I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it as a film noir. No. Usually Neither film would I. noir, I mean, you're talking black and white generally because that's kind of like a filming style. Um, oh, yeah. But see, but, to, to me, this is like, you know, it's early 50s. It's 54. Yeah. I guess film noir is more 40s, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, this is – I thought it was a great story. Hitchcock was awesome. I, If I remember correctly, because I'll be honest, I saw this in three different sittings because I always started this movie too late and would fall asleep. Mm. Um, because there's not very much action right. at first, because you're building the whole story of uh, of Jeff and his injury, and then you know, oh, is something gone amiss here, you know. Right. So it starts off really slow and then ramps up pretty quickly. Um, but I did see this in three sittings, and I believe I saw Hitchcock in a small cameo in one of the apartments. Yeah, he I was. I could be uh, wrong. It was it the piano man, yep, right? Exactly the clock. Okay, fixing the clock. Okay, good. So I wasn't going crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I really dug it. Um, I would watch this again for sure. Uh, I would probably give this uh, Rear Windows uh, three out of four stars. Excellent. Yeah. So normally we don't talk spoilers uh, on these films, but I do want to talk a little bit on Rear Window. So if you've not seen Rear Window, just skip ahead to the next section um, because I do want to talk a little bit more about it just because uh, I, I rewatched it as well last night. Mm-hmm. I finished Vertigo and I was like, I have to watch more. And so uh, okay. I put on Rear Window again. And uh, yeah, I I love this one, man. Um, the The dialogue between Jeffries and his detective buddy. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. It was so good, so funny. Just oh, what a chemistry they had together, and just well written. They're so funny together. Um, the set, I think, is just so good because it's all on one set. And Hitchcock actually directed the entire film because, f- as the viewer, obviously, we only see the movie from the apartment. And yeah. Hitchcock directed the entire film from that window. If he needed to talk to a character to have them do something, he would t- uh, talk to them on the walkie-talkie. Like he, really? that's the only place that he sat to direct it. Yeah. Um, and Grace Kelly is just stunning in this. Like I want to watch every Grace Kelly film uh, now that's ever been made because she is just awesome. Oh, and she's so gorgeous. So beautiful. And, and I felt bad for it at first because, you know, I know Jeff's kind of salty because yeah. he's stuck in that apartment for six weeks mm-hmm. and kind of 
brushes her off and treats her a little mean at yeah. first. Stella even talks about after she she walks out at one point, Stella's like, now you can pack your bags and go like was the plan all along or something. It's not that's not the line, obviously, but it's something along those lines, meaning yeah. that she believes that his intention is to leave her once his cast is off, which yeah. why the hell would you leave her? I have no idea. But so, um, so Grace Kelly in 1954. Mm hmm. She's got five movies. Hmm. Del M for Murder, Rear Window, The Bridges at Toko Ri, The Country Girl in Green Fire. And then in 55, she does To Catch a Thief, yeah. The Swan in 56, in High Society, and then that's it. Yeah, that's amazing. And then she becomes a princess and she lives in Monaco. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. It is crazy. Um, so, spoilers now, because that's what I'm about to talk yeah. about. So, obviously, um, the dog gets killed. Um, yes. and that shot after the dog is killed and he's like, there's only one person who didn't come out and it was the guy that, you know, was oh. Lars. Yeah. And it's just a pitch black apartment with that fucking orange cigar light. That's all you see. And it's just like looking right at him. And that all is you see so creepy. Oh my and, God. And I'm thinking at that point, he knows that I'm, Jeff is staring at him. That's what I but thought he, too. But he did, but he isn't. Right. He doesn't know. But yeah, just pitch black apartment and just the red cherry oh, ember from yep. the cigar. God. And I think that happened twice. And I'm like, that is chilling. Yes. I love it, love it, love it. Um, and then then just the name, Lars Thorwald. It doesn't get much better for a killer's name than that. Like, it's just, just perfect. Um, so there's the point where she goes into his apartment. Like, I, I literally wasn't breathing. Because I was <laughs> I was so tense. I was like, oh my God, like what's gonna happen here? What perfect filmmaking there. <laughs> I mean And who in their right mind would actually go on the windowsill to I break into this apartment? What a I woman, was surprised man. by that. In her high heels jumps from the fucking ledge to the windowsill. I'm like, oh my god. What she did for him. Yep. Um the silent so we get the silent caller. And Jeffrey's face, and he's like, oh, I think he just left or whatever. He thinks it's uh, his buddy again, the detective. And then nothing happens. And then just his face when he realizes, oh, fuck, it is Lars. And he just knows what's about to happen. It was priceless. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, – it, the film did blow me away. Yeah. Um, the use of, of light and darkness. Again, does anyone do it better than Hitchcock? I don't know because – um, you get obviously the darkness with that, with the single light of the cigar, um, the way they use the darkness when Lars comes into his apartment is when I actually wrote this down, um, how you can't see their faces. Uh, and then eventually you do, I mean, it's just, oh, and then using the flash bulbs for, you know, kind of his quote unquote weapon. Yeah. Um, I love that. And I love the side story of Miss Lonely Hearts and how she finds love in the musician. Um, so like, I love this movie, but the only thing I'm not a big fan of with this one Okay. It's kind of how easy the ending is with the flash bulbs. Um, are those flash bulbs really going to put down this giant man? You know, I don't know. Yeah, um, I didn't really th like. It would slow him down until the police show up. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that seemed that didn't really work for me. Exactly. And then how they're they're right about everything. Like, I I almost wish there was some sort of twist or something at the end that kind of changed what we we're already learning but it didn't they were a hundred percent right about virtually everything which i found i found all odd as well yes it's like he was right the whole time yep i was like oh okay. you know but 
that said, I mean, it's still the story that's being told here is fantastic. Uh, I mean, the ride is worth taking. Rear window is must see. Um, you gave it three stars. I would have given it. Uh, I give it three and a half out of four myself. Um, I don't. I do think Vertigo's probably um, a superior film, but not by much. I think they're both just wow, very good cinematic pieces. Mm-hmm. So excellent. Yes, thank you for letting me put my two cents into that one as well. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's your podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so um, next week, obviously, Mark, you will be gone. So you won't yeah. have a, a, a film for next week. But I am going to give you one to watch uh, for a couple weeks from now um, mm-hmm. when you get back. And Ash, actually, I was going to pick one for him, but actually I already did. He sh- uh, had Zach and Mira make a porno. Okay. I picked for him before he went on vacation. So I'll have him talk about that one next week. Um, and then you're going to pick another one for me to watch. Uh, yes. So I will have. Let me pull up where uh, I, I had yours picked out. Just give me a second here. Yeah. So I'm gonna have you watch. Um, have you watched The Road yet? From no, 2009. I have not. Okay. Do you think you're gonna have time to watch that one? I'll make the time. Okay. So I'm gonna give you The Road from 2009 for you to talk about once you get back from vacation in a couple weeks. Sound good? Sounds good. Excellent. And then, uh, like we said, Ashley will be Zach and Mira. What about me? What do I get to watch? Well, since we went highbrow with uh, Alfred Hitchcock, I thought I'd go something a little more lowbrow for you. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give you Strippers versus Werewolves. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, buddy. That's hilarious. <laughs> Have you seen that one yet by any chance? No, I've okay. I've got... I've got zombie strippers. Okay. Or is it strippers versus zombies? The one with Jenna Jameson? I think it's zombie. No, I've got zombie strippers, but I have never seen strippers versus werewolves. Okay. Fantastic. I'm thinking, depending on your review, I might go pick it up for myself. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think I, I think I, oh, yes, I did. I got that one from Smarmy Jerkface during one of his contests that he had uh, for his, um, 30 horror movies in 30 days thing i actually won oh, sure. that so i didn't pay anything for it okay. so that's always good so excellent so just to recap mark you are watching the road from 2009 which you'll talk about in yes. two weeks and then i am watching strippers versus werewolves from 2012 i'll talk about next week and ash will be talking about zach and mira make a porno from 2008 next week as well mm. so that is going to be that for this week. So next week, as we said, Mark's going to be on vacation, but Ash is going to be back and him and I will be reviewing 1998's A Simple Plan as the PAX cast rolls on. So as a reminder, if you have any questions for the three of us here at the Cinefessions podcast, please hit us up using that hashtag in film we trust for all of your questions you'd like us to answer on the show. And we're going to do our best to answer all of them. So again, make sure you tweet at us using that hashtag in film we trust. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter, Give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at cinefessions.com for any question of the week options. And as always, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you might be listening. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, so we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us that review. And remember, as we announced the uh, at the beginning of the last episode, anyone who leaves us a review during the month of April is entered in to win a $20 Amazon gift card to the Amazon store of their choice. And the winner is going to be announced on episode 91 of the Cinefessions podcast. So make sure, if you haven't already, you're leaving us that review on iTunes. And just a reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love to interact with our listeners there. 
You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all three of those platforms. And also, Mark, where can we find you online? I am on Instagram at mnado02 and on Twitter at Mark underscore Nado. And what is your in, uh, Letterboxd account? Oh, good question. I believe it's mnado02. Let me log back I, in here and double check. Yeah, I checked earlier. Because <laughs> I do list all my movies on... Uh, well, actually, I guess I'm under my name. So uh, just Mark Nadeau. Oh, no, I got letterbox.com slash mnadeau02 is what I have here. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I can't see that. It just shows my name. Oh, I see what you're <laughs> looking at. Yeah, your profile. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's uh, it's mnadeau02. Perfect. So uh, follow me on uh, Letterbox. I don't really read views much on there, but I will note everything I do watch, including stuff for the uh, – a to Z to A uh, challenge, which I am doing right now on the Instagram. Fantastic. Yep. And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And that's also where you can find my letterbox is Simon1. All right. So, Mark, thank you for joining me these past few weeks. Uh, it was fun with the two of us here. And uh, next week, we'll miss you. But it's going to be Ash and I. We're going to have a good time. And then we'll be back to full strength yet again. Yeah, there should be a bump in ratings next week. So then uh, I apologize for the hole I've dug us in. Oh, man. And uh, oh, you have forward to your... hearing you guys talk. Yeah, you have fun in your vacation. I will. I will be sunburnt like a fuck. Hell yes. That's what it's all about. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So we want to thank everyone for listening to the 87th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film we trust. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>